If you run a business, Bank of Clark County has you covered. Offering cash management services to automate and simplify your business banking, streamlined digital banking, and merchant payment processing that's a one-stop solution. Plus, Bank of Clark offers corporate credit cards that help you optimize capital, organize expenses, and enhance your business. Whether you're looking to earn points faster or lower your APR, Bank of Clark County has the card that's right for you. Member FDIC. Welcome everybody to the Potaskew Podcast. I am CJ and with me as always is my head of our life mate Rico. What's going on, monkey? Speak of the devil and he shall appear. <laughs> oh dear God, we're starting already. We are starting, man. I, I know you, you love my impressions, so that's why I'm I do. doing my impressions. I do. You love them all. Um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this that was a little bit of bait. It'll, it'll come periodically. I'll throw my Joker in as well. Oh, I'll uh, do my as well. And and your what one? My Batman and Joker. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> 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 what's going on though, man? How's life? Uh, life's interesting. Uh, you know, Steph and I are settling in. We're you know good. like every couple that's living together and is in their late twenties, early thirties. We're worried about money but that's normal and i keep telling her I'm like look we will like we are not out of the norm She's like i don't care about other people i'm worried about us i'm like ah, i understand that but like we will never be homeless it's just not going to happen like we have friends we have family members that'll help us out we, we're not going to rely on them we're going to still try and do our own shit but we have we have a fallback but well, so you we've, do, been, we've been you know <laughs> we're in the same boat and i'm not sure that we have the same fallback so, yeah. Well, I, 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 I am grateful and fortunate. And you watch. I'm gonna say all these words, and then like my friends will be like, "No, fuck you. Like, <laughs> live on the street." <laughs> right. Oh man. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. I, Hopefully, you figure out what you're gonna do, and you'll be all right. Other than that, um, <clears throat> I did three episodes of Rico's Rants last I night. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Uh I got really kind of like, motherfucker, I really need to do something. So I finally just, I, I, I was trying to get Steph to do a couple episodes with me, but she just was not feeling well. It was just like, I'm, I don't know energy. I'm, I'm, I'm in a bad mood. I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I have to. So let me just think of three things to do. But before I did that, uh, I gave a, I recorded a second take intro for that fan of mine in uh, Amsterdam. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were you had done something right around Halloween time, and apparently it wasn't supposed to be Halloween based or something like that, if I recall. His his English isn't the best. I mean, we can communicate. We write to each other and talk to each other a lot. Sure. Um, and his English is very, very good, actually. But like when he wrote out the script, it was kind of like. I had to sort of translate it myself and figure out what he, what he was trying to talk about. But yeah. Um, so I, I did a first take and I guess I swore a lot 
What a no. fucking shocker. No. Yeah, I know. Normally, I've got a voice that is just uh, not that of an angel. Cuss words, but yeah. I, yeah, I got, I, yeah. Uh, but then I, uh, he's like, hey, it was really good, except don't swear. And I'm like, all right, fuck. Oh, shit. I can't, oh, damn. What? Uh, um, so I did another take. I, I told him, I said, all right, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then Steph moved in, like, officially, we we're going back and forth in the cars. Right. And, her window was just like every fucking night. I was like, I gotta do this, but I fucking don't want to do this right now. So he really kind of cornered me yesterday. He's like, dude, are you gonna do that thing? And I'm like, oh shit, you're right. Fuck. So I said, all right, all right. I'll, as soon as I get home, sat down, did a, and this is the thing I was telling, I was gonna remind, uh, tell you off, uh, off camera that I was gonna tell you in the episode. I did so many takes last night. And because I was trying to get a feel for it and trying to, you know, you know, you fuck up, you have to restart yeah, yeah, a whole yeah. thing, kind of like what we do. And well, there was one. I, at one point, I introed and said, "Welcome everybody to the Podescue Podcast." Fuck! <laughs> That's awesome. And Steph is like off to the side, laughing her ass off. I bet. And I'm like. That doesn't even make any fucking sense. I don't do the intro. No, you don't. <laughs> do you still have it? I, yeah, I, I have it. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah, send that to me. Hey. I might actually put that at the beginning of this episode just because. Anyway. Oh, that'd be uh, so I finally did that. And then I, I was like, I'm on a momentum. Let me do some uh, rants. And um, I did Iron Giant, which fucking, dude, I... One of my biggest regrets is that I I waited 23 years to fucking see that movie because it came out like 95. Did it? I don't remember what. You, I know it was a long yeah, time ago, I, but it is so damn good. I was like, I'm I'm grateful I waited to see it with Steph because I was like, this is a movie you have to see with someone that really appreciates it and like you can be comfortable crying around. Yeah, it's got the feels. Um, oh, it's got some hardcore feels, and you can't help but compare it. To Guardians of the Galaxy and Iron Man, really? Yeah, dude. There's like I don't want to spoil anything, but I mean the big the big thing I can tell you is that Vin Diesel voices the Iron Giant. I knew that. I actually knew that already. So that's not. I mean, I appreciate you not wanting to spoil it, but that I knew. So so I, hearing the voice, you're just like at one point I was just like I kept saying like oh, yeah, I am Groot. <laughs> yeah, right. Because this is just, there's a touching scene where he's he's learning to speak, and he says something like the kind of like you know I have a soul, and I'm like we are Groot, and Steph and I are like kind of laughing at the same time. That's funny. Uh, great voice cast, man. I was really blown away. Uh, Jennifer Aniston uh, plays like the mom of the main kid. Right. The main kid, I had like a sort of like he has a real scratchy like. Clearly going through puberty voice. And I was like, I don't, how do I know this fucking voice? And I, I was trying to avoid look, yeah. looking up the voice cast because I like to guess who's who. And when I looked it up, I'm like, I don't recognize it. It was like Eli Marenthal or something. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this kid is. Yeah, I don't know that. Looked name. him up. Plays Stifler's little brother in the first two American Pie movies. Oh, shit. Okay. So he's the kid who goes, fuckers, fuckers, fuckers. Yeah, 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 and I'm yeah. like, Oh shit! That's how I know it's fucking voice. Um, then I did one of Overlord because I saw Overlord with Michael. Uh, yeah, 
I'm it's hearing a lot of positive things about that for and for not being my kind of movie. It sounds kind of interesting. I expected it to be like the World War II version of uh, Undead Nightmare for Red Dead Redemption. You know how like the expansion pack for Undead right. Nightmare is zombies in the Old West, and that's yeah, just yeah, it yeah. from beginning to end. Right. I thought it was gonna be that in World War II. It's not. It really okay. is not. It is a straightforward World War II like sneaky espionage movie where they're like trying to take out this tower in this village the day before D Day. Okay. So almost like or the um, day before Normandy. Almost like Valkyrie, right? Although Valkyrie's a true story, but it's the same concept. It's the same concept, but then like that like that's the first half of the film, and then the last half of the film. It they're zombie-esque, but they're not like brains and they're just like Right, right, right. It, it, so it does have a zombie element, but it's really more of just like World War Two and then some shit happens. Hmm. Oh, I mean, I honestly it was a, it's a pretty fucking good movie. If if I recall, it's a JJ Abrams movie. He produced it. Okay. Uh, it was directed by Julius Julian or Julius Avery. Okay. Albany. Something like that. Julius Avery. I, I I don't know his work, but what I I'll tell you what I did like was that the protagonist was African American, which you nice. rarely see in a World War II film. Absolutely, yeah. I mean I could name like like Red Tails and like Miracle of St. Anna, but that's really focused on right. African Americans in World War Two. Whereas like this guy's just like in a trip with like Jews and Italians and uh, also, Wyatt Russell is in it, and Wyatt Russell is the son of Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. Okay. And I remember watching him like, there's something about this, like, there's like a Kurt Russell vibe to this guy. I'm like, holy shit, it's his son. So he he's good, and he kind of plays this fucking like he you kind of think he's going to be a villain, but he's really just an asshole the entire film. You're like, all right. And then I saw, uh, then I did, did a review of uh, Venom, which I've been holding off on doing for a long time. Yeah, we already talked about that, yeah. so I, I kind of know where that one goes. Yeah, I mean, I just was, it was, the biggest thing I said about in the rant was like, what all Venom did was just ensure that Sony's never going to give up Spider-Man to Disney, because now they have a bunch of money. And they're thinking, oh, well, people like our stuff. We're going to move forward with Morbius, the living vampire, and a fucking Doc Ock movie, and a Carnage movie, and a Venom trilogy, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, fuck, like, no one asked for this. We didn't want a Venom trilogy. We want Venom in the MCU. Yep. Fucking. So that's like, like, I, I wanted it to be a movie that didn't perform well, uh, gross wise but i want to be a good movie instead it's a movie that made a billion dollars and was just not great so they sony thinks they won but really we fucking lost is how i look at it but moving on from the marvel universe let's go on to the fucking well well, no 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 uh, no no. first off first off what's our uh hashtag fat fuck follow-up what's going on with that how you doing uh well uh hashtag uh hashtag fat stack uh Hashtag that fuck all up is uh, I I haven't been going to the gym as often as I had been. Um, in part, Michael 
injured his hand again. Oh, but it was because he got bitten by his dog on on his, on both of his hands. Ow! And so I was like, "Well, you can't really do shit." But he's like, "Well, I could walk and I could run." I'm like, "Yeah, but you can't drive. Like, you need your fucking hands." And if you and he was like telling me instead, he's like. Hey, don't worry about the gym today. I think I broke my fucking hands. I'm like, what? How yeah. the fuck? What? And he's and, and they're not broken, but he definitely got bruised. Like the bone. I mean, it still hurts, but he like he had to take a day of like I need like I need like some Vicodin. And I'm like, all right, yeah, man. Like, let's just heal your hands. Let's not overdo it. I don't want to hurt you. Uh, and then Steph and I went to uh, the Y together. Oh, Stefan with you. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, it was good for both of us. It was good just for me to still try and keep a routine, even though I've been slacking like crazy. Um, I'm still keeping my weight loss as it was. I'm not gaining a ton of weight, even though I'm eating awful. Well, I'm still trying to eat like, you know, healthier than normal. But uh, so we went and swam and that was good um, for both of us. And uh, it, it was it was a good experience for both of us. Just, Something that we had never done, which was we never worked out together. We never swam together. We never, uh, you know, and we both need to do it. So it was yeah. good for us to try and get through it. But it wasn't a major workout. It was just a lot of stretching in the pool. Well, and what's what's kind of neat about the way your guys' relationship is going right now is that, like, you're going to have a lot of firsts that you didn't have because of the geographic um, issues prior to now. You know what I mean? So you're going to have a lot right. of cool firsts that you haven't had before, which will be fun. You know what I mean? I mean, not in a positive way, but there are going to be new experiences for both of you. And those are those are memories that I like to treasure. Like Oh, totally. Yeah. Like the, the first movie that she and I saw in theaters was It, which is not a movie that you would think that we, wa we would watch together in a movie yeah. Let alone, because she's not a, uh, a movie theater goer. Uh, never, never really was, and I am for like movies I really want to see. And there's a lot of movies I'm like, eh, fuck it, I'll wait till the video and gets it. Uh, right. But and a lot of times it's like Michael will be like, dude, we're fucking seeing this. Like Overlord was like, I saw the trailer once, and I'm like, eh, yeah, I'll see it. it looks good. And then like Michael's like, dude, we're gonna fucking see that shit tonight, right? I'm like, I, I mean, I didn't plan on it, but okay. So there are sometimes we'll go to the movies for that, and that's sort of how I do it with Stephanie. Although that's our, that's our new date night is we follow the, um, there's a, there's like, I guess it's fathom events or some shit. Okay. Air old movies. Yeah. Like yeah. A 20 year anniversary or a 15 year anniversary or whatever anniversary. And then you can see an old movie in a theater. You get that experience that you didn't have. Like I didn't, I never saw a diehard in theaters because I wasn't fucking born. Well, didn't you guys go see Mask of the Phantasm like that? Yeah, so the, not to, I mean, it's a great bridge to what our topic is today. Well, but like, we're, we're not done we, on the topic, so don't bridge too far. But Well, we, um, I said, oh, dude, Die Hard's this day. Have you ever seen Die Hard? I've never seen Die Hard. I'm like, fuck, we got to see Die Hard. And then I saw the next day was Mask of the Phantasm. And I'm like, fuck Die Hard. Fuck Bruce Willis. We are seeing Batman, uh, the animated fucking movie, in theaters. Fuck all that shit. Yippee ki no, motherfucker. Like, we were like, <laughs> we, we, it was Batman all the way. 
And she's like, I've never seen that either. I'm like, fuck yeah, we're we're seeing this shit. Like, well, it's our date night. Do I get a choice? I'm like, fuck no, you can pick the next one. <laughs> That's fair. At least she gets the next one. You gotta be, and you gotta go yeah. what she picks. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, by the I way, this I also like this was for me because the first one we did unofficially was the Princess Bride before this was a thing for us. Right. So we went and saw the Princess Bride. Uh, what was like their 15 year anniversary or some shit. I want to, um, no, it just, I was the mask of the phantasm. I was going to say, did you see that box set they've put out? I need to get my hands on that thing for the animated series. Uh, I was like, no, I didn't. Um, it's the, the, there's a special collector's edition. I'm not going to get my hands on because there's only like 69,000 of them. And I think they're sold out already, but um, actually you watched fat man on beyond or fat man on beyond fat man beyond the last one they just did for Stan, right? Yeah. It's the box they Most, gave a, did you get through all of it or no? No, no. I when 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 it was the other people like telling their stories and shit, like the, the audience, I was like, All right. That's when you were like, Hey, I'm ready and I'm like, Fuck you, you're ready? You said four thirty. No, and you could have told me to wait. I would have been fine with that. I did the it, what I had to take care of wasn't important anymore. Um but so I'm not ruining anything about the episode, but you know how they usually give away the 40X tickets for people who ask questions? Yeah. Well, instead of asking questions, they had people come up and just share their stand stories and the best... No, mm-hmm. no, no. This wasn't this one. It was the one with Tara Strong. I'm getting my episodes blended oh, I together. I didn't, see, I didn't see that one. In the Tara Strong one, they give away one of these box sets. And it's the entire animated mm-hmm. series on Blu-ray with a whole fuckload of extras and three Funko Pops all in the box. Whoa. Yeah, it's a neat. I saw it when they were they were doing pre-orders at Best Buy, and it's like two hundred dollars for this thing, for that edition, for that one. So I probably won't get that one, but I'll get just the standard edition, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? So that probably won't be as expensive. So I'll wait till that comes available, and I'll grab that because I do want the animated series on Blu-ray. I I don't I don't have it at all yet. So to have it on Blu-ray would be pretty cool. The you have you not seen Mask of the Phantasm? Oh, I have, but it's been years. Dude, years. it is like a legit, just good Batman movie. Like yeah. there yeah, are yeah. some great Batman movies. I would say like the top five best Batman movies I could say. Um, and I mean like straightforward Batman movies, not like oh the Dark DVD. Like like Under the Red Hood is a great Batman movie. But it's direct to DVD. It. Yeah. Yeah, if it was released theatrically, that's why it counts. Um, well, before Tim you Burns- get there, before you get there, because we're going to be doing the Dark Knight tonight, so we could start off with you giving us a list because I want to hear it. But before you get there, um, to give people some context, this is the Sunday after we lost Stan. We've already done our Stanley tribute and put that out, and people have heard it. Um, right. And as we were just mentioning, you were watching Fat Man Beyond on the Stan the Stan Lee tribute that Kevin and Mark did. And man, as I got the feels. Oh yeah. It is you. When you texted me, you said, you know, fuck tissues. You got to bring a whole Royal roll of paper towels or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Was I wrong? I mean, I mean, I didn't, I definitely got emotional, but I didn't, you know, I, my heart broke a couple times. Uh, yeah. There's one part where Stan, He's, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Kevin is talking, like, talking and talking and talking about Stan Lee. Um, and you can tell he's holding back tears, but there's one moment where he, like, lost it for, a, like, yep. at least five seconds. 
Yeah. Where he says um, he's with Stanley's handler, and his handler says, you know, he loves you, right? I'm like, yeah, I love Stanley. Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that doesn't need three spoonfuls of sriracha jam to delight your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is a 21-grain salute to the end of boring bread, a brand on a mission to make the most out of every loaf, to rid the world of GMOs and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. But Dave's Killer Bread has done more than raise the bar on bread. In fact, Dave's Killer Bread was built on the belief that second chances can change lives when its founder, Dave, the guy with the guitar you see on every loaf, returned to the family bakery after 15 years in prison. Dave took that chance and ended up creating what would become the country's number one organic bread while never forgetting his not-so-easy path. That's why at Dave's Killer Bread, they proudly practice second-chance employment, hiring the best person for the job, regardless of criminal background. And by the taste of it, things have worked out rather well. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread amplified. Dan and Stan loves me. We love our... We all love Stanley. (laughs) No, no, dude. He loves you like a son and as kevin says the word son his voice yeah. cracked and you just tell he just broke down because i started uh watching on youtube and okay. then my internet connection was getting wonky so i, I just downloaded the episode to listen okay. uh podcast it's worse when you so, see it. i'm not gonna lie to you when you see him yeah i yeah. purposely oh. was like i don't want to see kevin cry i've seen kevin cry a lot <laughs> who hasn't but still yeah it's a different but kind of cry. A huge difference. yeah yeah there's a huge difference between him crying about watching the episode of a flash and yeah. crying about losing stanley it's a yeah, yeah, whole yeah. other type of emotion um the two things you you hit on the one thing for me already. So the two other things I'll share for for me is when he's talking about um, the fact that he was supposed to see him that week. They had yeah. Stan had called him and said that he wanted to see him, and he's like, "All right, I'll go see him this week." And he was supposed to see him later that week, and it obviously didn't happen for obvious reasons. Um, right. That that broke me a little bit. <laughs> I was like, "No," you know. But um, the other he thing hasn't seen it for like six months or a year or something, right? Yeah, well, because of various yeah. things, it wasn't any bad blood or any any. No, it was, like it was Kevin's heart attack. That's it really was a what, heart attack, like, and then and then the stuff Stan was going through, like it was a combination of all that, and then Kevin got busy with with Supergirl and work and stuff. But um, there was that, and then this isn't as like emotional or anything, but it's something you might find interesting. Tom DeSanto shows up. And just to give you an idea who he is, he is the guy, he is, from what I understand, the guy from X-Men. The one our our friend Matty Granger worked on. I think Matty says Tom DeSanto in the episode. I think he does, too. I was thinking that when I heard him, when I heard him say his name. He's one of the writers. He's the writer of the story, Tom DeSanto. And he showed up. There's a lot of heavy hitters that show up to this one. They don't all appear on camera, but you know they're there. um, Because Kev points out a couple of them, whatever. But um, Is he the one who, not to steal your thunder, but is he the one who got Stan responsible for getting the uh, handprints? Yeah, no. No, 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 no. That's some other guy. But he was pretty cool, too, and that's a good story. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot about it. But, um, no, Tom tells this story about he how he's the one that got Stan his first Marvel cameo. Like, Stan didn't want to do oh, it. Really? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one that got Stan to come out and do that scene on the beach. Because mm. at the time, Marvel Stan was stu- suing Marvel. 
So there was not a great relationship between Marvel and Stan at the time. And he tells the whole story, and I'll let I'll let you hear Tom's version of uh, it. But there is um what another one of my favorite parts about it is that Kevin tells about how he first met Stanley. Yep. But how he first spoke to him on the phone. Yep. About doing cameo in Marvel, and I was right, which was he had written this this character just being a big comic book guy, but it wasn't especially for Stanley. And he was talking to a producer friend or someone who knew Stan and knew Kevin. He said. Well, why not just have Stanley do it? He's like, well, I don't have Stanley's ever. Like, I know Stanley. I'll call him up right now. I'll talk to him about it. Right. And they said, all right, he wants to do it. But his first reaction was, I would never say this shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. And, but to be fair to Kevin, he wrote it not thinking he'd ever get someone of Stan's caliber. I mean, that's the only reason why he didn't write it of for course. Stan. If he thought he could get Stan lately, he would have wrote it for Stan from Jump. You know what I mean? He just didn't think it was something that would happen. So he thought it would have to be a right. fictional character. And then when you found out Stan would do it, um, the thing that broke my heart in the best positive way was when the one rewrite um, Stan made him do where he, because he didn't want to insult Joni. It was like, oh. <laughs> so true listen, everybody. To, true to the man himself. He Absolutely. was just like, I am. Look, He's like, we, I got a woman at home. I want to still be able to come home. Yeah. We could do a whole nother hour on stand. I mean, we really could have done four hours that night. I just felt like we weren't doing any more justice. And we we, we ended where we should have. And I, I'm calm, I'm happy with our, our episode. But if you want to hear a really nice um, tribute to Stan, go tribute. listen to Fat Man Beyond. It, it it really is a great episode. It's yeah. So anyway, um, speaking of Fat Man Beyond getting the Batman thing, we have been wanting to talk about the Dark Knight series, and of course, other Batman things. I'm sure will come up just because. But let's um let's talk about the Dark Knight. So you had started by saying the something about the Mask of the Phantasm being uh, one of your I'm guessing one of your favorite Batman movies. So why don't you give us that quick listen, and we'll, I'm sure one of the one of if not all three of those movies are on that list. So let's use that, and we'll go from there. I mean, I don't have a particular order, but okay. Mask of the Phantasm is definitely really a strong movie because if you are a fan of the Batman animated series, like fucking we are ninety percent of the people that probably listen to us are. Yeah. Um. It. I mean, when and if people, you're not, hold on. If you're not, what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> I mean, I still explain to grown men and women, sure, who are customers of mine that are like we'll be talking about the joke and like, oh man, for me it was Jack Nicholson, or oh man, Heath Ledger, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, those are all great jokers, but for me it's Mark Hamill, like Mark Hamill, I'm like yeah. yeah, dude, Luke fucking Skywalker, and like. Bullshit. Luke Skywalker. When, when? When did he? I was like, dude. And I'll pull up a clip. And pound for pound, when I think of the Joker's voice, I think of fucking Luke Skywalker. Well, okay. So, and, no, go ahead. But, and, and he is, Steph said it when we walked on the theater of Mask of the Phantasm. She said he is terrifying in this movie. Like, Nicholson's scary. Heath Ledger is scary, but Mark Hamill's Joker is fucking terrifying. Just the what he did to some of the characters, which was he killed them, but he made them have this huge rictus grin, which is which the Joker, the Jack Nicholson Joker, did do, 
But for the animated series, it's a kid's show. So they couldn't kill anybody in the show. Sure. Um, so, but they made the Joker give him this frozen brickless grin on his victims. They still live. They always had a serum or a, a cure. But, I mean, I also, a little trivia. You know the character Scarface, the doll, the ventriloquist dummy? Oh, from Batman's world? Yeah. Yeah. So they, the, the animators, they would unleash all their fucking fury and rage on not being able to kill characters in the show by having him receive the brunt, like, veracity of, like, of, like they would have him be decapitated, they'd have him be riddled with bullets, they'd have him be run over by a car because he's, an anima- he's a dummy. Right, so they would right. kill this dummy because they just couldn't do it to the Joker or, or any civilian. Little side, uh, little side trivia. Um, but Mask of the Phantasm, it is glorious animation. It expands on the animated series. It's not, sh- it's not childlike because there's, there's no Robin, there's no Batgirl. It is straight up Batman movie and it delves deep into his, in his psyche about him being riddled with guilt of his parents. Like there's many scenes of him at his, at their graves being like, I made, I know I made a promise, but like, I didn't expect to be happy. Can I just be done? I will donate charity. I will donate everything. I'll, I'll spend all my money, but I didn't expect to be happy because he falls in love with a woman that gives him hope and gives him happiness. And he's ready to give up being this vigilante that he's just starting on. And it's a really nice, there's a great couple scenes where it shows him trying it a couple times and he succeeds, but he's clunky. He doesn't really, you know, he's not the Batman. He's just this guy in a mask. Right, but oh, so and and that leads us into what the Dark Knight series does. But I will very quickly, on a side note, tell you a very quick funny story from the Terror Strong episode of Fat Man Beyond, where Kevin says because she's talking about how she plays Batgirl in the Killing Joke, and Kevin mm-hmm. Conroy plays um, Batman, of course, and <laughs> at one point because you, as you know, I know it's not your favorite version of that story or of the animated Batman movies for that matter. But you know, at one point they get it on in the rooftop. Yeah. And so Kev says to Terry Strong, so what was it like to fuck your father? I mean, that would have been her fucking commissioner garden really, but yeah. No, because of Tara Strong and, and, Conroy, she said he was always like a, an earlier in the episode or not long before oh, that question, she had said figure. something about like he's like a father figure, you know, because he is, I don't want to say substantially older, but he's older than her by a, a, a you know, a decent enough margin. Yeah. So, yeah, 20 years. Yeah. So, enough to be her father, <laughs> you know. So, it was just funny here. And, and Tara went like bright red. But, um, anyway, so. You talked about in this Mask of the Phantasm scene about the, you know, there's a couple of things you touched on that actually are running themes throughout the Dark Knight series. So let's start with the beginning anyway of Batman Begins, because I will tell you right now, that's my favorite of the three, hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, I Everyone loves the Dark Knight. I, I love it, too. I think it's a great, I think it's a great Batman movie. Um I've got a major issue with pieces of it, 
Um, I there's there's a whole section of that movie I skip altogether. Well, I don't skip it, but I hate it. And sometimes I skip well, it. It depends. It. Well, let's get to that when we talk about the Dark Knight. Just... Well, we, we don't need to do them in years. order, but... Um, well, I prefer to do it in order because I have a lot of shit to talk about for the Dark Knight Rises. I prefer that so to do be I. Like... So do I. But yeah, so... Oh, well, Batman Begins. Listen, we say on this show all the time we don't want origin stories. We're tired of origin stories, especially Batman's. Batman and Spider-Man specifically because it's been done ad nauseum. But... What I like about Batman Begins is it's the origin story I wanted without the stuff I don't want. Do you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. the origin story of Batman is always about his parents and him in Crime Alley. And yes, that's covered, mm -hmm. as it almost always is, apparently. But um, And in that, I do like the fact that it changed it from Zorro to Deflator Mouse, the... Uh, the opera about bats. I felt like that was a nice tie into him when he falls down the well. Like, I think that was well done personally. Like if you're going to switch the origin story a little bit, that's a good way to do it. I thought, um, but I love that you were getting history on how he put his gear together and the Batmobile and his relationship with Lucius and that kind of stuff. That was the origin that I liked. That was my part of the origin story that we don't get on a regular basis that I liked. I definitely appreciate it, but in my own my own mind's eye, I view the Dark Knight trilogy as a another alternate version of Batman. He, I mean, when when the Dark Knight movies were coming out, I loved them, and I still like them a lot. They are great stories for the most part. The interpretations of the characters are really 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 good even the stuff that like eh, well you know Bane's this and, and batman's that and joker's this and joker's well that. i tried to base it more in realism as opposed to like yeah, yeah. it's not comic book batman for me it's no. not comic book spirit. right it is you know when whenever i always compare like M michael and i we we many times do what you and i do which is just debate on who's the better batman but he looked at me, I, when, when he was like, dude, bail all the way. And I was like, dude, bah, fucking Ben Affleck. And he, no. Michael shot me a look. Well, you, you have the same opinion, but Michael shot me a look, which was just like, he never fathomed that I didn't agree with him, that Bale was the better Batman. <laughs> he, just, he just looked broken hard. He's like, I, I'm so in shock. Like, I can't believe. It'd be like the equivalent of like finding out that you're like, someone you thought was like an atheist is like, no, dude, I totally believe in God. You're like, wait, are you fucked with me right now? Like, really? <laughs> right, right, right. We, yeah. We've been friends for 15 years. Now all of a sudden you believe in Jesus. You're like, I mean, I just never, I mean, I don't right. know. That was how he looked at me. It would have been the equivalent of him of me saying like, Michael, I do believe in God. What are you talking about? He's like, wait, what? So it was, it was that moment. And, my my whole thing was I settled for Bale. I was like, eh, well, if this is the Batman we get, then I appreciate it. I appreciate how earnest they are taking this shit. They're taking they took this Batman really seriously until like for me, Ben Affleck made well, Ben Affleck made it more comics accurate. He gave me the Batman that I more or less have been wanting to see. Like I want to see the Arkham Batman animated series. I want to see, you know, a big hulking dude in a cloth costume with muscles, voiced by Kevin Conroy. 
the closest I got was Ben Affleck. And even Kevin Conroy, for the record, said that he thinks Ben Affleck is the best Batman because he says he he has a balance of two of the best, which is he's a great Bruce Wayne and he's a great Batman. Apart from Batfleck killing people in Batman versus Superman, uh, he he does everything that I wanted to see. I wanted to see a detective, which we really never really got in most of the other movies. He's, I mean, Bale's Batman is not the world's greatest detective. He is a he's a intelligent person, but he's not the world's greatest detective. Um, That's fair. Whereas Bale actually, where I'm sorry, was Affleck is out in the scene as Bruce Wayne. You know, like that that scene where he's like at a fight club, like underground fight or some shit, and he's like following some Russian, and he and he's like standing there talking. He's kind of like acting like he's drunk or something, and he's like, like he does that scene where he's like he's got a cell phone next to the other guy's cell phone so it can replicate it and copy it, and then it shows him like at Lex Luthor's fucking party, pretending to be drunk so he can like investigate shit. He's like, I like your shoes, you know. That like that's something Bruce Wayne would do. He'd pretend to be drunk under the guise well, of well, wait a minute. trying to assault Because Bale does some of that stuff too, so you can't tell me that doesn't happen. Because we no no no, hold on, my turn. <laughs> um, is no, I'm just fucking with you, Rico. Come on. Um, but no, when he's when he's like, if you're talking about the drunk parties, when he's pretending to be drunk to get the people out of his mansion, when when Raza attacks, that's number one. And then you talk about the, the detective. What about when he takes takes fingerprints off a shattered bullet out of a wall because he goes and gets the the piece of the wall and then he compares it to the then he gets that gun and shoots like a whole bunch of different walls with different guns and different bullets. He does that, but not to the extent that I. I, I don't know. Maybe there's something about, you know what it was for me is that Bale's Bruce Wayne seemed more callous and, and mean as Bruce Wayne. Whereas okay. I always envisioned Bruce Wayne being aloof, you know, like, like he is a, he is a partier and he is a socialite and he is a playboy, but he also has some good in him. Right. I didn't really see any good in Bale's Bruce Wayne. It was very much like it was just kind of like the equivalent of a male Kardashian. And I didn't you know, see Yeah. Like there's like the part in Batman Begins where he like goes in and he's got like the two fucking women on his arm and then they, they're like in the pool, which is for decoration, like, well, I'm gonna buy this hotel. And like it just seemed something that Bruce Wayne wouldn't do. You know? I don't know. See? I kind of like that twist on it, honestly. I'd appreciate it. I, 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 I would have. I like that uh, Batflex interpretation more, which is he's kind of aloof. He still shows up for social events. He's still, you know, he's just kind of, you know, just kind of an airhead, which is how it is. And I, I think I just hold animated series in such high regard, you know, because every time Bruce Wayne is around, he's just a good guy, but he's just kind of like. You know, he's just aloof. He's just kind of an airhead. And then when he's Batman, he's the best guy ever. Right. Whereas, and I mean, I have other problems with, with Bale. The biggest one is the fucking voice. I, I well, do not see Batman going out every night and giving himself laryngitis <laughs> every night. 
Well, it gets I've worse seen... from movie from movie to movie. The first one I felt was good. Batman Begins, the Batman voice I thought was good. I thought it played out well. It wasn't it was different enough that you knew it wasn't Bruce Wayne, but it wasn't it wasn't what he does by the end of the series. It wasn't, you know. I I agree. When when in the Batman Begins movie, he does he just lowers it a couple pitches. You know, he he talk, you know, he goes down to here. You know, I'm Batman. But then, like Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, it's like holy shit, Cookie Monster, calm down. And that yeah, and I just didn't appreciate. It. I know you want to go in order, and we will. But like that, it's and there's things like that throughout the series that kind of bother me. Like for example, in the Dark Knight Rises, there's a scene where he and Catwoman are fighting a bunch of thugs on a rooftop, and yeah, and he turn. Well, that's fine, but then he turns, and she does the Batman disappear, for lack of a better description, and just drops out on him. And when he turns back, in the Batman voice, by himself, he says, so that's what that feels like. It's like yeah. you didn't need the Batman voice then, because it's just you. <laughs> what I would have preferred... Well, I argued, because I showed the for all three movies with Stephanie. We watched them together. And I bitched about that, just like you did. And she was like, well... He's always in the impression that there could be someone around. He's not well, going to, you know. He, that's fair. I can give her that. But she was like, he just beat the shit up a bunch of people. They might be behind him. I was like, you know what would have been great and why I appreciate uh, Affleck Morris because he had the voice modulator, which Kevin Smith kind of like right. wrote like as an idea. He's like, this was what I would do. And then all of a sudden they did it. I'm like, fuck, dude, Kevin should get some credit. But well, no, if. He, if they use that in the Dark Knight Returns too. There's a modulator effect. Not really. Yeah, it's a bit of a, especially when he's in the and in it, the uh, armor. Um, I think it was just uh, Robocop's voice. I think it just sounded distorted. Oh, all right. That dude, that, that dude likes his cigars. Um, <laughs> yeah. But what I that's what if if the, if Bale had a voice modulator, I would have I would not pitch because it would still sound. So that's what that feels like. You know, it would sound distorted. Right. Then the voice is, you can't change the voice. Well, you mean um, kind of like what what um they do for uh, Oliver Queen and Arrow. He's got that thing he flips on. Yeah. Yeah. But that's something that, would, that Batman would do. He'd be like, I am one of the most famous fucking people in the world. I Me growling is not going to really do that much. <laughs> right. So let me... The, look, the best way to describe it is like, say, for the sake of argument, Donald Trump becomes Batman, right? Oh, dear God. He's got a very distinct voice. Let's say he even, like, bulks up, he changes his physique, he's got a body for Batman. He's got a very distinct voice, he's one of the most recognized fucking people in the world. Hate him or love him, he is recognized. Right. And he was recognized before he was president. If he just growled 100% all of us would be like, that is clearly Donald Trump in a Batman costume, growling. Fair. Bruce Wayne is no different. Bruce Wayne is just younger. And, you know, he would he would have the mind be like, I have got to distort my voice. I've got to change it so it's unrecognizable. That's what I appreciate of of uh, Batfleck. It, it's, it looked like he was a, he had a, he was more of a thinker. He was more of an inventor. Whereas, you know, as you said, Bale, Bale's Batman got everything from Lucius Fox. I mean, he, you know, he really didn't make his own suit. 
He made his batteries. Okay, so he made some fucking bat shaped shurikens. Good for you. And he kind of did. I mean, he he made modifications to the suit. Um, he did take the memory cloth and do the. I think he did the cape. I think he did the cow. To be fair, I mean. Okay, well, no, he got the cowl from another thing off scene. He designed it, though, and got the two pieces and then built them himself. But he designed that shit himself. Okay, he didn't build the Batmobile. No, the Tumblr he didn't buy, build. That's fine. I mean, is the costume cool? Yeah, the costume's cool in a very Iron Man-esque kind of way. It's very, you know, when I, I rewatched uh, Justice League, the Flash's costume reminds me of the Dark oh. Knight, Dark Knight Rises costume. With the metallic kind of grid on it. You know, it looks yeah. like metal on metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where really they're they're just cloth. They're ex- they're expensive fucking cloth. They're interwoven with fucking titanium bullshit or whatever the fuck. But I also appreciate Affleck's costume because it was you got the impression that it was just his physique under cloth with the right. exception of like clearly the cowl has some inner mesh woven into it so that when like a guy shoots him in the back of the head it just bounces off but yeah. he, he's still grunts he's like, well, like it, it shit still hurts his fucking head i i would say that the suit he wears at the end of justice league is not that but the one he wears no. in batman vs superman and and in the first part of justice league is I'm saying I think the uh, I think the opening to Justice League is a different costume than the one from Batman v Superman. I think the they're open- very similar, but I think the emblem is different. I think the I think the ears are different. Well, no, but I'm talking about the suit that he wears at the end when they go to fight Steppenwolf. It's more like a it's not like the armor he wore when he fought Superman, but it's like a mixture between the two suits. Yeah, I think that's called. It's, I think it's the tactical Batman. I don't I know, but it, it didn't look great. The ear, the the he had like weird Ray Ban goggles that just looks fucking weird. Well, I didn't like the fact that it, it um kind of bulked him up the way it's not supposed to. Just compared to what he was wearing, you know, like if he was wearing that all the way through, it'd be one thing, but the fact that he had that cloth-like one. But anyway, we're talking about the wrong Batman in here. <laughs> this is not the yeah, Batman yeah, we're supposed yeah, to be yeah. discussing. Um, I, look, I, I'm old enough for Michael Keaton to be my Batman. I was alive when the 89 Batman, or yeah, 89 Batman came out, but I gotta tell you, Bale is my Batman. I'm, I'm with, I'm with Michael on this. And I understand that. I'm not holding you any grudges or anything like that. I'm just, you know, we. Some people have a different Superman. Some people have a different Batman. Some people have a different Spider-Man. And that's, the best thing about that is we can still continue in debate. You know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I, I still appreciate the Dark Knight movies when they first came out. But there's a lot of it's the growling. It's the fact that he relied on, like he worked himself to a physique that he should have just had a cloth suit, but he was in a armor suit. Because with Michael Keaton, you're like, you took one look at Michael Keaton, you're like, this dude doesn't have any muscle. Yeah, but you have to think about the fact that at some point, someone's going to pull a gun on him. Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah. okay, maybe you could have Kevlar woven into the to the material like you like uh, something like uh, Aflac's wearing. But to be honest with you, 
for not having started or not having anything to begin with, I think what he did was the right move. You go and get this armor that the army was going to use, except for that it was $300,000 per suit. And, you know, it it protects you. I think, I think it was just... You use what resources are available to you. And yes, he has a vast amount of resources, but he also has to do things on a very um, down-low, quiet kind of way. And this gave him access to things that could allow him to continue, you know? Cause, well, I'm torn. Because by the end I'm of torn. Dark Knight Rises, he has two suits, at least. He has two suits. Well, the Batman Begins suit, and the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises suit are the same one. So those are the two suits. Wait, wait, say that again? The Batman Begins suit, right. that's one. And then the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises is one, is the same suit. No, there's a third suit. And the cow's different regardless. If you look at the cow in the Dark Knight Rises versus any of the other ones, it's a completely different cow. That that aside, I'm not even going to split hairs on that because I honestly I think that was a costuming decision for the movie that had nothing to do with the story. But he's got at least two suits, and this is how I know because when he fights Bane and gets his ass kicked and sent to that prison wherever it was, I want to say in the Middle East somewhere, but wherever it is doesn't matter. And then he comes back. That suit that he was in when they took him there is gone. That suit is gone. Yeah. So he then goes into what was essentially the Batcave for this Dark Knight movie, which was under that that um container. The container you oh, go in, and, and that suit's still there. So that's the second suit. So he wears two different suits in The Dark Knight Rises. I didn't notice it until this last time I watched it, but he actually wears two different suits. One of them being okay, the one from The Dark Knight, and one being a brand new suit that he hadn't worn before. But it's still the same suit. It's just a copy. It's just he just had another. There's thing. some there's, variations. There's, very there's not many differences. The only difference is that, like in The Dark Knight, he's got the the sonar feature. Well, that's that's. Yeah, that's that's not what I'm talking about, though. Like, so I'm talking about more from a visual perspective. This is the way I would equate it. Think of it from Iron Man. It's Mark One, Mark Two, and Mark Three, and that's what they did. Yeah. He he had a Mark Two and a Mark Three, and he would he goes back from Mark Three to Mark Two at the end of the movie. And and I don't have a problem with that. I think that I think that's fine. I'm glad he has an extra suit. What I have a problem with is him getting into Gotham at all. Well, but if you figure he's Batman, he had a way to do it. He figured out a way to get there. And all I want to know is I want to have a fucking two-minute scene of how he got out of the fucking Middle Eastern desert into Gotham, which is locked off, outside and in. The army is fucking preventing from people going in and out of Gotham. Otherwise, they'll blow the fucking bridges. Yeah, but if obviously Bane got out. So do you care about how Bane got him to the prison? Bane's allowed to get the fuck out because he's controlling the fucking shot. But there's still the only one way in and out. That bridge. Which, don't even get me started on the bridges because that irritates me beyond words. Well, no, I want to get you started on the bridges. The whole point is we have to fucking talk about the Dark Knight Rises. No, I, yeah, but I'm saying, like, it, my point is this. If you're going to have an issue with him getting back in, which I'm not arguing against, then there needs to be an issue on how Bane gets out. Because there's supposed to be only one way in and out at that point. And that's that bridge that the army is there for. 
Okay, so if they just showed a scene right. of that, I would be fucking happy. I would be fucking ecstatic. I would be like, all right. Even if it just showed Ben Affleck, I'm not sorry, not Ben Affleck, uh, Christian Bale's Batman have a secret fucking tunnel that's outside of Gotham that leads into the Batcave, like a long-ass tunnel. He's got to hike through. I'd be like, all right, that's his way in and out. Bruce Wayne crawled through a river of shit. (laughs) Yeah. Lucius Fox would fucking say that. I just thought it... I didn't even put that together, but you're right. Um, If they showed a scene where Bane is like, you know... I mean, that's also another, like, fucking point is how the fuck did Bane get... The only other thing I can think of is that pit, which is also the Lazarus pit, because it's the Lazarus pit without being the Ra's al Ghul Lazarus pit. Right, um, sure. Is, it's in Gotham. That's the only way I could think of is that... That's what I'm saying. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's either in Gotham, in which case Bane just dropped uh, Batman down that fucking hole, didn't have to leave Gotham at all, then Batman fucking climbs out of that fucking thing, and he's still in Gotham, and then he just sort of sulked over, found his other fucking suit, and then he's Batman again. So no one leaves, no one enters. But that's not what happened. It totally implies that, like, the fucking pit of despair is in the middle of the fucking, like, Middle East or some shit, or in Africa, or in fucking wherever, because everyone is fucking not speaking English in that goddamn pit. Either either everyone's just throwing fucking Middle Eastern immigrants in this pit, or it's in the Middle East. Right. I'm going with it's in the Middle East. That's my opinion. Right. <laughs> So if you recap, Bale's Batman has no money. He has no suit. He's freshly healed from a broken fucking back. And he just climbed out of the world's impossible fucking dugout. So he doesn't even have Alfred. Alfred left his ass. So he has no resources. That motherfucker doesn't even have a cell phone. So how the fuck did he get back into Gotham, cross those bridges, dig a tunnel? Did he fucking... Did he fucking uh, Super Mario that shit go through some pipes? No. <laughs> Super he, Mario that shit. I mean, honestly, it's what I really have a problem with is that as amazing as writers as Christopher and Jonathan Nolan are, and as amazing as the director as Christopher Nolan is, this was sloppy fucking writing. And well, they kind of... I know they were rushed. Not only were they, they rushed, all, but I think... I don't think... The stories I read back in when they were making the movie was that Christopher Nolan didn't want to do it, especially after Heath Ledger died. He he had right. no desire to do the third movie. He was going to do a third one, and he was all on board. And then when Heath Ledger died, he was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this. And they basically pulled the, well, you have a contract card. And he went, yeah. okay, you want a Batman movie? Here. <laughs> and he gave him The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> And they kept that contract for him to fucking produce Man of Steel. They're like, hey, you still have one more, buddy. Right, but like, he, he only had to produce that one. He didn't have to shoot it. That's still an obligation. Yeah, but it's, so, uh, it's, it's different. But at the same time, they also still had, what, four years between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises? He had four years to fucking just add a scene. It, they no, rushed I- it, but they had plenty of time. I get that. Um, I just don't think he wanted to do it, to be fair. And, and, and it clearly shows. Yeah. And so he somehow gets in a fucking Gotham, which I'm just like, good God. Like, 
fucking you could drive the tumbler through uh, the potholes of this fucking movie. <laughs> well, not so to mention one of, what one of my biggest problems with the movie in general is Christopher Nolan spent the first two movies going out of his way to establish Chicago as Gotham. Mm -hmm. That was on purpose, not anything to do with tax breaks or tax credits or any of that bullshit. Like he wanted to establish Chicago as Gotham. That was his goal. And then they go and shoot the third one and it's Pittsburgh. Because they want some fucking bridges. Right, because they wanted the bridge they needed the bridges for the story. And Chicago's got bridges, but they're like they're like drawbridge things that little boats go under. They're not like the bridges they yeah. had for for Pittsburgh. That and I heard that the only team that allowed them to come in and shoot the football scene were the Steelers. Yeah. So the Steelers colors, you know, are yellow and black and they're also in Pittsburgh, so it worked out, but And and he couldn't do it in Vancouver because Vancouver was looks enough like LA. It doesn't look like enough like New York or Philly or Chicago or whatever. Right. Plus they don't have a football team. So they don't have a football team, that's right. If it, if it was a hockey team, that'd be different. Right. But then you're a Jean you're a bad Jean Claude Van Damme movie. But anyway, that's another <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that. Um yeah, I got so I that was my biggest issue at first was just to to go ahead and make that change. That really bothered me and it soured me from the beginning. Like when I heard they shot the scene at the Steeler Stadium before I knew that they used the whole thing in Pittsburgh, I was like, all right, well, that's fine. You can use their stadium. You can use that team and then shoot the rest of it in Chicago. I mean, that kind of shit happens all the time. That whatever. You know what I mean? But then I found out they shot the whole fucking thing in Pittsburgh. You know? I mean, I didn't particularly care. I mean, uh, when the only thing I had about like location wise for me for a Batman movie was Batman vs. Superman, where they compared like Metropolis and Gotham were across from each oh, other. That bullshit. Don't even get me started on that bullshit. That's. But they, they, <laughs> they compared it. They were like, oh, it's like San Francisco and Oakland. Right. That's, and I was I like, eh, yeah, I get it. Okay. Yeah, I Whereas, get it. And I think it's bullshit <laughs> well the irony is san francisco is becoming more and more like gotham at night than oakland is well here's the thing i don't understand like and this is something i've never understood about dc period so it's not even about the dark knight movies but like the one thing well there's a lot of things marvel i feel like does right but the one thing that they really did right was they've never made up cities with a few exceptions like Wakanda but that's you know that's far and few between most of the places are real you know Spider-Man Wakanda does fucking exist okay okay well it's they've they've said it's not but anyway you get the point like House Kitchen is a real place Queens is a real place Brooklyn's a real place you know Maui if you want to believe that's where Tony Stark is from is real do you know what I'm saying? Like, all those places are real places. Malibu, not Maui. Yeah, right. Malibu, right. Um, Malibu. <laughs> Malibu, yeah. But Malibu. you get the point. The point is they're all, they're all real places, whereas, you know, like, with DC, whether it's movies or TV, you've got Star City, you've got Central City, you've got, you know, Gotham, Metropolis, mm. these places that don't really exist. And what... 
a Smallville even. And what's weird about Blood that Haven. is they, what's that? Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven, yeah. Like there's a ton of them. And what's weird about that is they all exist in real places, if that makes sense. So like Smallville's supposed to be in Kansas. They say that all the time. And like se recomienda las dosis de refuerzo de la vacuna contra el COVID-19 para ciertas personas. Para más información visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. It should have just been a complete fake country or world or universe. This mixture of fake and real is difficult to to wrap your not to wrap your brain around, but it it makes it harder to follow. It's the it's the Simpsons uh, Springfield approach. It's like you know, like well, your town because there are, if I remember, there is an actual city somewhere in the United States called Metropolis. Oh, I don't know. Like it's like Metropolis, it Indiana. They have a Superman statue where, like, we claim Metropolis being in, like, Indiana or some shit. And then you take one look at, like, Superman's Metropolis, you're like, there's no fucking way it's Indiana. Right. So, I don't know, man. I, I didn't really get too bent out of shape about the locations of Pittsburgh and fucking um, Chicago. Okay, so I my other problems were more just what? No, finish your thought. My, I mean, it really is my other problems for The Dark Knight Rises are like like the bat. The whole autopilot thing, dude. Like, I, I call 100% bullshit because there's no fucking way as good as Batman is even in his Dark Knight trilogy that he is able to swim five fucking miles in the span of five seconds. That is not possible. Even for Batman. That's not fucking possible. Superman, sure. But Batman is still just a fucking man in a costume. Not to mention that costume would weigh his ass down. He well, would drown I have, in that fucking... I have a thought and a separate complaint. So which do you want first? A thought. Okay, well, before I even get to the thought, actually, Metropolis, it was not the quibble, but just to be accurate, it's Metropolis, Illinois. Not Indiana, but you were close, so I'm not even giving you shit. I'm just being accurate about it. Um, start with the line. My thought is if, let's just say it's got an ejection system similar to like a fighter jet, right? That shit launches you some fucking fierceness up into mm -hmm. the air. So that at least could get them up into the air and then... They said it's a bay, so there is land somewhere closer than Metropolis. So he, or not Metropolis, excuse me, Gotham. But he, so he could have landed somewhere else in a different direction. I'm not saying that's what happened, and I'm not defending it because I agree with you. But that's, you know what I mean? That's at least an idea of what could have happened for that. Here, here's my bigger problem, right? To my knowledge, there was one bat 
right? Mm-hmm. So how were they checking the autopilot on a bat that was carrying a nuclear bomb that exploded? That thing yeah, should be how the fuck did that should survive that blast? It didn't. Is <laughs> kind of my point. Yeah, he it could have potentially via an ejection system of some sort. You know what I mean? And hell, if you want to get technical, maybe he had some kind of underwater breather on him that allowed him to go underwater and swim at least away away from the the blast part of it. Okay, so I'll give you that as a possibility. He's not swimming the five miles back, but he could have swam somewhere else. That aside, that aside, the bat should have been in pieces. I mean, like, yeah. pieces, pieces. There's no way they... Unless they... The only thing I can think of is that, like... All those scenes in Gotham after the fact, I don't think they're the next day or even the next week. I think they're a couple months down the road. I mean, you figure they had, they're had they unveiling that statue. That takes time to build, right? I'm not talking years, but it takes time to build a statue. So let's say at sure. least six months. Let's just say for argument's sake, six months after the explosion that all that is happening, right? Okay. That might be enough time to go in and salvage the wreckage, I guess. Of the bat, I would agree. I would agree with you, with the exception of they're perf- they are reading uh, Bruce Wayne's will. Well, I, I, that's what I'm saying. They could be like montage flashes. I know what you're saying, and then some honestly, dude, if you got someone that rich and that famous, it might take six months to sort the will out. I'm not even joking. So <laughs> that's possible. Not arguing against you, except that that's kind of what we do. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Like, that's certainly an option. I'm not defending it because I think it's as much bullshit as you do. And and, that, and none of this stuff we're talking about are my biggest problems with the movie. Not even the Pittsburgh thing. When the fuck would Batman take eight years off because, oh, you killed my girlfriend. Fuck you. Dude, not, not, yeah. You know, you know who fucking died, Bruce? Your fucking parents died. Yeah. Like, right? The whole, <laughs> the whole point of you being Batman is because your parents died. Not fucking Katie Holmes and not fucking Maggie Joan Hall. You know, I like Katie Holmes. I like Maggie Joan Hall too. But you have to just move on, dude. That's the whole point. Can you imagine like what would happen if Alfred died? You think yeah. he would just you think I, you think Bale would just shot himself in the fucking head? No, because I don't think he would have cared as much. He seemed to not care about anyone else as much as he cared about about um Rachel. Which he never from our understanding never really like got the fuck. No, the the closest you saw was I think they kissed twice, once in Dark Knight and once in Batman Begins. I think it's the only two times that they've ever done anything sexual that I'm aware of. He fucked Talia yeah. before he fucked Rachel. Yeah, he fucked Talia before she fucked him back. Well <laughs> which yes. we'll talk about that a little bit. But one of my uh, another one of my big Big, big problems is you you touched on it a second ago, which is he didn't really give a shit about Alfred. Well, no, he, not, not the he, Batman I fucking know. I, I wouldn't say that. I'm not going to go that far. I think he did. I just don't think he cared about anyone as much as he cared about Rachel. I think I think his love for Rachel outweighed everybody else. Which is really, really, really fucking stupid because going back to Master of the Phantasm. It's really, really anti-Batman. That's not Batman. That's my point. That's why this is not my Batman. 
Yeah, but see, that's not bail. That's writing. Do you know that's what I'm what saying? I'm saying. Mm. I don't. I do. I don't really blame Bale one hundred percent. I blame Bale for some of the choices he made. Like I the don't voice. blame Bale for the costume. Yeah. I blame him for the voice. Yeah, that's really the only thing I blame him. I mean, you can say, "Oh, that guy's a bad actor," but really, you could say, "Well, the director just didn't direct him properly." Yeah, I don't think he's that bad of an right. actor, and I, I, I like no, him in the movies. Bale is an amazing actor. Yeah. He's going to do an amazing job on this Dick Cheney role he's doing right now, the one that's coming out. Yeah, you beat me by a second. I was like, he is unrecognizable. Yeah. And the guy. You got to see the. And and Sam Rockwell is W. Jesus. I mean, that's uncanny as well. I still think Josh Brolin did a better job, but I will definitely see Sam Rockwell's W and keep an open mind. But I don't. Josh. Josh Rowland played uh, Bush in the movie W, directed by Oliver Stone. Okay. Yeah, literally, Thanos was fucking Bush at one point. Well, they both and ended he the world. Nails so. it. He <laughs> nails it, dude. Like, he sounds just like him. He looks just like him. He he's, it plays him throughout different points of his year of his life. So it's like young and then older. Right. Like, we got coked up and then he discovers Jesus. Like, it's. it's it is an underrated movie. It's not Oliver Stone's best, but it's definitely one of Brolin's best performances. I have to say, I've never seen it actually, but I'll have to check it out. Dude, fucking uh, Tandy Newton plays Condoleezza Rice. Did you hear? Not to get way off, but, and I know you're not a sports person, but did you hear the job she might be getting? Condoleezza Rice or Tandy yeah. Newton? Con- Condoleezza Rice. No, she's interviewing for the head coach for the Cleveland Browns. Why? She's she's actually has a pretty good football mind, from what I understand. I don't know that it's head coach worthy, and that's not because she's a woman. I just don't think she's a football coach. You know, she doesn't have that. Uh, kind I of would. Mind. Did Trump appoint her? Because like I don't understand like this random fucking like oh you know who'd be great as as president of the United States Donald Trump. You know who'd be great as a coach Condoleezza Rice. Like what, what the well, fuck. Not to get into a whole thing, but college football has a, a selection committee for their playoffs. It's a slightly different format than the professionals do. And there's a group of people that pick the top four teams and then make the playoffs. And she was on the first two years of the five years that it's existed now. So she's she's known in circles as having a good football mind. I just don't know if it's coach-worthy. I mean, if she is and she does a good job, more power to her because it'll be awesome to have a female head coach. I think that's... For, you know that's the cool thing to have a female head coach. I just don't know if she's the one to do it. But anyway, that's right. completely off topic. But I just since you mentioned her, I thought I would share. So my well, one of the really for that movie, one of the great performances is Richard Dreyfuss as Dick Cheney. Okay, like I can see that role is really like ooh, he's creepy. But back to look, my I I never said Bale's a bad actor. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Okay. I just think um, how he treated Alfred, he just he kind of treated him less than how I would imagine Batman would treat Alfred. He would treat Alfred like a father figure. He doesn't have a father figure because his father's dead. So Alfred well, is the closest thing. I think he does until the Dark Knight Rises. In the first two, I think he absolutely does. Well, I think he does, and so I agree. Dark Knight Rises is the is he does everything the opposite of what I would imagine Batman doing to a certain degree. He jumps back in the fucking he jumps back into being Batman 
without really thinking it through. It's just an impulse. His leg is all beat to shit. He's like, oh, I got some weird fucking new brace that lets me kick a fucking brick. Good for you. Well, uh, wait a minute. Get let's get back on the pod. Let's get in this suit. Let's try and stop Bane. He's eight years out of practice because he's been fucking limping around uh, Wayne Manor. Doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Here, here's something I'll say about that though. Like, because I remember thinking this when I saw it the first time. How the eight years I'm with you on, but I'm talking specifically about the leg and the limping. Okay, and then the, the device he puts on his leg, the brace thing that he gets right. Uh-huh. How's that any different than what Brody does by the end of Civil War? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of the same thing, you know? Brody? Yeah. You say Brody or Brody? Brody. Oh, I heard Brody. I was like, my first jump was like, all right. Fuck. <laughs> no. I, I just, I mean, any different? Um, well, the difference is that Brody uh, got fucking paralyzed partially, whereas fucking Bruce, Le- Bruce Wayne has no cartilage in his knee. Right, but That's he still. My point is, they both have leg devices to help them pass a condition. That's instantaneous yeah. fix. It's an instantaneous fix. Just seems a little off. Well, to we, me. Don't, we don't know because we haven't really seen Rhodey in action yet. Yes, we have. We, yes, we have. We, oh, Infinity, and right, Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, you're totally right. I completely fucking blanked on that. I forgot he was in that. He's not only um, in it, but he's walking around like he would. Before the thing happened, well, it's walking yeah. a little stiff. It's not like he's not as okay. Fluid. But for someone who's supposed to be paralyzed, he's moving it's pretty, pretty good. Fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but where the fuck did Bruce Wayne get the the leg thing? Did he get that from Lucius Fox, or did he make it himself? See that kind of that. I, well, I I understand your question. I'm not finding fault with it. That. That I don't care so much about. It's it's if you and I don't even have a problem with them having the leg in it, fixing it. My only point to all bring all that up was that if you have a problem with that, then you should have a problem with Rhodey. That's my only. That was my only point of bringing it all up. I honestly don't have any objection to it. I don't have a problem with the leg brace. I have a problem with the fact that he's been has been training for eight years. <sighs> yeah, I. I also so have a problem with the fact wanna, that he. I want to go back to your Batman three fucking times. I want to go back to your thought about well, no, see, I don't agree with that. That I know, I know, Garmin says that, and we can talk about that in a minute because I, I disagree with Ralph on that very heavily, because um, I know that's Ralph's argument. But it, you talk about how um, intelligent Bruce Wayne is supposed to be, and and that whole thing, and I'm not arguing against it because I agree with all of it, but. What if, let's just say, and and yes, it's something that should probably be addressed in the movies because it's a movie, but let's just say that nothing, no, that's not, what I'm, it's not the word I want to use, none of what is going on with him in the limping leg is real. Like, maybe the cartilage part is real, I'm not going to argue that, but the limping and all, what if that's just an act to... I want to say fool everyone around him, but no one's ever out. He's never out in public. The only one that sees him is Alfred. But I guess in case someone was watching him, like Selena, when that happens, do you know what I mean? Like, what if that's all just bullshit? You know, well, and he's a limp at all. Wouldn't that raise questions? What do you mean? Okay, say he's quote unquote faking the limp or something, right? Right, right. Why do it at all? Because 
Shall he we would have to. He, well, he would have to acknowledge like he had an, he had an accident or something. And Bruce Wayne is a very public figure who just drops not, away from. The, he drops off the face of the planet. Yeah. So if 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 he made up a limp for the sake of being mysterious and oh, I'm Bruce Wayne, I'm a recluse now, there would be like public knowledge that oh he got into a car accident or he fell when he was rock climbing or some shit and he's all depressed because rachel's dead which would impact bruce the public knows they were friends and childhood friends and shit like that but for the record why the fuck is no one being like oh bruce Wayne went into hiding right when batman disappeared what the fuck yeah well there's that too but i just i just think i i just i had fucking problems with that movie man i just i well, like you said, there's there's plot holes there's plot holes in the movie, and there's certainly plot holes in a whole series. I'm not going to disagree with that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like the fact that Wayne Manor and the Batcave don't exist in the second one. As great as the Dark Knight is, there's no Batcave. Not once. And don't tell me that underground thing is a Batcave. Like, I know it's a stand-in, and then I kind of get what it's supposed to be, but that's not a Batcave. No, it's not. I don't I don't view that as a fucking Batcave. I view, I view a, a cave as a fucking Batcave. I view... The anime series, the I view even the fucking Adam West Batcave as the Batcave. You More know? than that thing was, yeah, I agree. I mean, as much as I bitch about the Schumacher films, they at least had a fucking Batcave. Right. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. And like, I just, I had a thought and I just lost it. Fuck. <laughs> um. I, well, let me let me let me talk about the little. Oh wait, about I, Alfred. I, I just got it back. Hold on. I, we can go back to that, but I don't want to lose. I got my thought back. If he took eight years off, why did he rebuild the Batcave? Like, why? Yeah. yeah. He rebuilt the like, Batcave the with fuck? all those improvements, with those, like, lifting platforms and all that shit. Like, why? And for the record, if he's in that much pain, if he's living that much and needs a fucking aid, does that mean... Alfred did all the fucking work or like Bruce Wayne's limping around trying to fucking all this shit himself or is he hiring outside help? They just says, here's, here's a billion dollars. Don't tell anybody or I, I mean, that's, that work. Kill. that's certainly impossible. The, the hiring one here's the, here's going back to my point about why or I think it might Lucius Fox. what's that. Maybe Lucius Fox came and tinkered. I mean, possible, but I mean, you could have done it all himself either. He's not exactly a spring chicken, but um, but here's the one other thing I'll say about why I think the limb might be fake. There's a scene, and this just might be chalked up to a plot hole, but when he goes to visit um, Gordon Lucious? in the hospital, Gordon, and, yeah. and after he gets done getting his examination on his knee and whatever other stuff the doctor was looking at, and he basically says, don't do anything because you're going to fall apart, he jumps out the window. And goes down what three stories or whatever, and doesn't he bring the cane down, the cane. right? As a tool, not a way to walk around. So that's the other. You know what I mean? He obviously okay. walked around that room without the cane. I think he could fucking limp, but at the same time, I'm sure he was in an immeasurable amount of pain. But at the same time, he still went to the doctor. Like, if they had taken out that scene of him being in the doctor's office, being like, you have no cartilage in your fucking knee, and still had him be faking the whole thing, then I'd be like, all right. And then they take out the knee brace scene, then I'd be like, all right, he's just faking a limp for whatever fucking reason. 
That I agree with you. There's yeah. too many conflicting things. But like, he clearly has a limp because he clearly has no cartilage in his, in his knee. He clearly can you walk around Alpha Cave to visit Gordon. But, like, why? Like, it, it's just, that's the problem is that there are too many, conf- it's almost like Christopher and Jonathan Nolan wrote two separate scripts and smushed them together. Yeah, I well, mean, like, that's possible. On one idea. Here, here's the thing, like, we're, we've spent most of this episode, the hour and some change. If you run a business, Bank of Clark County has you covered. Offering cash management services to automate and simplify your business banking, streamlined digital banking, and merchant payment processing that's a one-stop solution. Plus, Bank of Clark offers corporate credit cards that help you optimize capital, organize expenses, and enhance your business. Whether you're looking to earn points faster or lower your APR, Bank of Clark County has the card that's right for you. Member FDIC. Or maybe 45 minutes of it. Really kind of dogging on these movies. And I will tell you right now, they're still my favorite Batman movies. You know, I mean, that's a thing. Like, I'm te- we're tearing it, we're tearing away to these potholes and these issues, but I still love these movies. I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I loved when you, when you were saying like, oh, I like Batman Begins, that's my favorite. I'm like, I view them all as one story. I view the whole trilogy as one long story. I don't view it as a trilogy. I view well, it as yeah. one long movie. That, and not to get off on a thing, but that's how, and, and it's an it's episode I want to do, and we've talked about it off air, is I, that's how I view The Matrix. I don't view The oh. Matrix as three movies. I view it as one gigantic fucking movie. You know, so I understand. I view, the Matrix, I view The Matrix as one movie, and then The Reloaded and Revolutions as one other movie. I view it as there's this one, and there's the others. I, I I could see that. And I don't want to get into a whole thing because we're not here to talk about the Matrix tonight. But I mean, at least you you get the point I'm trying to make. Like, I, I understand what you mean. I don't, I can see how you could do that. Right. I just, I, I don't want to seem like I hated the fucking movies. I just, because look, they gave us Heath Ledger's Joker, which is pound for pound cinematic gold. It is. See, you, it is one of the greatest performances. Go ahead. There's a lag. Why? Go ahead. Finish your point, though. Uh, it just gives a, Heath Ledger's Joker is Oscar worthy. He is the only comic book character that has won an Oscar. It it is, you know, when when he died, and my friends and I were watching the Dark Knight in theaters, knowing he had died. And then when he won his Oscar the year after he died, it was the anniversary of his death when his parents stood up there with his Oscar. I was, at first, I was like, maybe they gave the Oscar to his family because he died. He was still an amazing performance, but maybe they did. And then I rewatched it again, again, later, 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 and I was like, holy shit. No, dude, he earned that Oscar. He was terrifying. He was funny. He was mysterious. He was everything the Joker should be. He was he was not only terrifying, but he was terrifying and likable simultaneously. That's the interesting thing about that. The thing like you you were terrified of him, but at the same time you remember when we talked about Marvel and the Infinity War and you found yourself almost kind of empathizing with Thanos? It was almost similar to that. I'm not saying that Thanos is as good as our performance, but the same concept of like 
You kind of saw where Thanos was coming from. I don't know if you see where the Joker's coming from, but you you found yourself like, I want to see more of this. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I I understood Thanos a little bit better than the Joker because oh, well, the sure. Joker was just all about unraveling shit. Right. Right. You know, Thanos didn't wasn't like I want to kill people because blah blah blah. Well, see, he wanted a- like the universe here's the thing about the the joker that i don't think we got and that's because heath ledger died is like so earlier we talked about how christopher Nolan didn't want to do the third movie because chris because heath ledger died as i understand it the joker was going to reappear it was going to be him and batman again in the third one now, i don't know what the story was going to be i don't know much more beyond that but it was going to be him and heath ledger going at it yet again which makes that final line that Joker has in the Dark Knight so prolific because he's hanging there and he goes, I think yeah. we're destined to do this for forever or something to that for something to that effect. And if you know the exact line, by all means, please. But you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and then you sit there, like you said, knowing he's already dead. And it's like, oh, it's it was a heartbreaking performance. I mean, that interrogation because scene. You, for me, what's what sold it for me was the how about a magic trick? The the oh, pencil. Yeah. Oh yeah, by far. That's I agree a thousand percent. That's that sells that that role right then and there. That whole sequence when he's talking to us about my bosses, absolutely. I mean, he. It wasn't like this. Joker doesn't have electric uh, buzzers in his hands. No, nope. he doesn't have the acid flower. He is bullets and gasoline and a pencil. He is John Wick with makeup. <laughs> I don't know about John Wick, but I get where you're going. Yeah. John Wick kills a motherfucker with a pencil. Yeah, no, right. But I'm saying, like, I don't know if he's uh, as skilled as John Wick. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Sure. Because... The, what I did appreciate is, is Heath Ledger's Joker didn't have an origin. It was very close to the Killing Joke. It was it was close enough to the understanding of the Joker that we we're like, he shouldn't have an origin story. We should not know his name. It should not be fucking Jack Napier. Right. It he is he is mysterious. He doesn't have Jack Nicholson's origin, which is very close to. A killing joke if not like okay he's a gangster and he's not you know and he's not mark hamill's which is no introduction at all right he's just there he has layers of i mean there's this theory that has been going around forever and now it reached a lot of uh milestones because Pat oswald talked about it. basically Pat oswald talked about the theory that's been around that no one i guess has caught on but i i agree with it is that Heath Ledger is like his character was like a special ops black ops soldier. He has a military trained mind. Hmm. He knows he knows how to shoot a gun. He knows hand to hand combat. Even if it's even if it's like him doing it unorthodox, like just kicking the Batman while he's ga- while he's down. He knows how to grab people. He knows how to put a knife to someone's throat. He's not he's not out of practice. Right, and to feel that. He, when it's the funeral of someone and they have like the, the, the policeman outside and blah, 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 and he's without makeup, 
he's twirling the fucking rifles with the other states, with the other state troopers. Well, his whole crew so is, he, I, he, he replaced the entire color guard. But yeah, I get what you're saying. But he would have probably taught them. He's the fucking leader of his crew. He would have sure. been like, he's not like, does anyone know how to do this? He'd be like, I know how to do this. And he says, do I look like a guy without a plan? I'm like a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't, want to, I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. Right. Bullshit. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He has a very tactical mind. He knows about explosives. And the, the scars, which he gives two different conflicting reasons for, you know, like, oh, I did this to myself, or oh, my father. Right, like, right. And he goes to tell that, a third so, version that we never get, but that's not important. Yeah, he's like, you want to hide got these scars? And like, Batman's like, no, I know you got these. Like, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, little cheesy, but I liked it anyway. I liked it too. It's like, all right, what was he going to say? Well, you know, this one time I really tried to put on makeup and I fucked up. <laughs> you know, I cut or myself like, you know, I shaving. <laughs> I was brushing my teeth really aggressively and I never brushed them again. That's why they're yellow. Yeah. But. I've actually, like, whoever wrote this theory, actually, like, there were other comments where someone like said, like, I can vouch. I've been in the military. I've seen shrapnel explode in someone's face and distort their mouth and fuck up their mouth. It looks like that's what happened, and he got a really bad stitching job. Okay. So it goes hand in hand. It, you know, it, it's, that's the theory I'm more okay with. I'm also okay with not knowing the Joker origin story at all, which is why... This whole Joaquin Phoenix thing, I'm like, I know, I know, I don't, I I don't need it. I agree. I'll tell you what I like. Um, for for the theory you were just talking about, the thing that immediately triggered into my mind, and you brought up a good point when he's talking to Harvey, where he goes, "Do I look like a guy with a plan?" And it's all bullshit because he really does. But my favorite part is when he brings the Russian in, and he's got the fucking stack of money, like just billion dollars in cash, whatever it was. It was just ridiculous which amount of money. Por- which is his portion. Which is right, his portion, right. And he's got, and he's got Lao on the on the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the part I'm that's the part, but that's not the point. The point I'm talking about is after he burns it and he has some wine, he goes, Cause this town deserves a better class of criminal. And I'm gonna give it to him. Like that was fucking creepy. You know, but in the best yeah. way possible. Like that's a that's a guy with a plan. Like I'm not even joking. <laughs> that's a guy with a plan. You know. There's another part where he's in the um the room with Harvey. Which by the way, Aaron Eckhart deserves some fucking love. He does. He, he does. He did a really good I mean, compared to fucking Tommy Lee Jones's awful fucking two face. Yeah, but see, which, hold on. Really quick, because that's something I chalk up to writing and planning on the part of Schumacher and his crew. So, like, I'm not blaming that on Tommy Lee Jones. I think he worked on with what he was given. But that's another story. I, I still agree with you, Eckhart's better, but I don't know that it all falls on Tommy Lee's shoulders. That's all I'm saying. Go ahead. Well, Tommy Lee Jones, I, I like him for that role he does numerous times, which is, I'm a fast-talking Texan. I'm here to get Harrison Ford, or I'm here to get Wesley Snipes, or I'm here to get Josh Brolin. And you know, he's always right. He's that guy, and him trying to be Two Face, which is really 
he, as good as Aaron Eckhart was, he was not the Joker, uh, the Two-Face that I really want to see. The Two-Face I really want to see is sort of similar to the animated series one, but also expanded, which is I want to see Two-Face argue with himself. He's right. split minds. I want him to be like, well, Batman, I'm sorry to say, shut up! You tell me! And, I, like, and then like have him argue with himself, like just the super bipolar, like multiple personalities just fighting with each other, dominating this one man. And Aaron Heckhart came close because he's like, he is the white knight. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know, say it, tell them what they saw. Just like growling and screaming. But here's, here's a one thing about, God damn it. I lost my thought again. Oh, well, good. I I didn't. Sorry. I, I just didn't like the one thing I had a problem with that and it's not his fault. It's nothing to do with anything he did. It was that they had that nickname for him prior, you know, when he's sitting there talking to Gordon and he's like, what's the, what's that nickname they have for me down at MCU or whatever it's called? You know, it's like, eh, that was kind of not needed, but all right. You, you said MCU. Wasn't it? I mean, what was it? It was a major crimes unit, the MCU. Yeah. Oh, Oh, fuck, that's where the MCU is in the uh, DCU. Oh, but yeah, there you go. Um, Steph actually asked me a point. She's like, his eyeball would be dry as shit because he's got his scarred eyeball, which is right, just out. Right. Where, where she's like, do you think they? You think he lost his eye? They replaced with the boss eye. I'm like, God, fuck if I know. But I don't think they thought point. about it. <laughs> to be honest with you, I guess that's possible, but they don't really address that shit. Um, the point I want to make is when the Joker's talking to him and he puts his the revolver in his hand, he's like, here, go ahead, you know. And then he does the whole, like, you live, you die. Oh, now we're talking. That whole scene, if you look closely, you see the Joker's got his thumb on on the hammer. Right. So even if Mark tries to pull the trigger, it's not going to go off. Because the Joker's like, you know, I don't mind dying at the hands of Batman. It ain't going to be you. He has a plan. He wants to see this shit go through. He's not going to be like, well, I was going to blow up this hospital, but I might let Harvey Dent shoot me. Like, right. no. he's gonna. So he definitely, all his speeches and all his fucking, like, you know, he, he wants to be the ultimate bad guy going up against Batman. Well, what he I, wants to do it forever and ever. And what I like is there's some comedy throughout the movie and throughout the series, really, but not in that Schumacher kind of way. Do you know what I mean? Not like, camping. what's that? It's not campy. No, but it's funny. I agree, but it's funny. Yeah. Like, for example, like when when he's done the scene with Harvey and he's walking outside, and he's trying to shoot, um, trigger the bomb. Yeah. And at one point, it won't go, and he like stops and he like shakes it and he smacks it a few times, and then like a couple seconds later, boom, and he like jumps because he wasn't expecting it. Like that was funny, you know. But in well, that was super was it? Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to go off, and then he just like you literally see he just like look around, raise his arms like what the fuck, guys, and then like he just stayed in character, tap tap tap, click click click, and all of a sudden, boom! And so that that was a great scene. That was the closest to like the Indiana Jones scene where he pulls up the gun and shoots the guy. Right, right, right. Like, but that was that was that wasn't improvised as much because I remember seeing things where Steve Spielberg even said to where Harrison said to him like. I don't feel good. I'm sick. I can't make the shot. And he goes, well, then just, instead of doing the whole choreograph thing, just shoot him. So that was like pre-planned, you know. 
But other the other members in that scene didn't know that was going to happen. That's why oh. they're all, all the reactions are them laughing. Like, wait, I don't think what? I've ever noticed fuck? that? Yeah, I don't think I've ever noticed that. I have to look that up. But um, but yeah, Heath Ledger did a magnificent job. I mean, you you want to do something about Hamill and Ledger? You want to do a comparison? Well, it's not even a comparison. Like earlier, you mentioned that that you know, like. He, he's your Joker, Hamill, and and I'm not taking away from Hamill in any way, but I differentiate between the animated and the live action, not just for the Joker, for all the characters. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, absolutely. For me, if we're talking animated, my Batman's Conroy, always will be. You know what I mean? Always like, and but if we're talking Batman, like I said earlier, it's Bale. Same thing with the Joker for me, like. Animated, you're right. It's Hamill, every day, all day, without question. Mm-hmm. I want, you know. There's been other versions that I've heard, and I haven't liked any of them. Like, um, and we've talked about this before, but in the in Bad Dark Knight Returns, it's Michael Emerson. I think his name is the guy from Lost. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't like it. Now, if I recall, you did, but I I didn't like that. I didn't love it, but I liked the idea he got, which was he based it off of Paul Lynn. Who was right. uh, in the '70s was this real, not flamboyant, but he was definitely tongue in cheek about his sexuality, and he had this. <laughs> I mean, he was the voice of Templeton in the uh, Charlotte's Web, and I always, I think, I always had that voice in my head. Not like, oh, I have, I have Paul Lynn's voice in my head. It's just Templeton was a part of my childhood because I watched Charlotte's Web uh, numerous times as a kid. So hearing the Joker sounding like Templeton was just a bizarre route. And it even got to be thinking like, because I do want to be a voice actor. What if in in, a little fantasy, I get chosen to play the Joker? My obvious thing I would do is I would be like, well, it's got to be Mark. It's got to be a Mark Hamill impression. It's got to be, you know, theatrical. And it's got to be a little melodic. And it's got to be all over the place. Like Jerry Lewis and Hannibal Lecter. But obviously they'd be like, well, if we wanted that, we would just fucking hired Mark Hamill. Yeah. So I kept thinking, like, what I what would I do? I'd have to base, I had to take inspiration from someone, and I so I appreciate Michael Emerson's work ethic because anybody could try and copy Hamill, sure, like Troy Baker, sure, and he does a great job. That's a good Troy Baker. He does a great job school. because he's doing an, he's doing a younger interpretation. Yeah. And the same thing with the guy who does it in the um those uh Batman video games. That's not. Uh, what is what is the, the um, uh, you know in, what I'm talking about? The fucking those Batman video games that are uh, like the Walking Dead video games. Oh, uh, we just talked about him like, like two episodes ago. Yeah, um, I'll look it up because I'm uh, I don't. His, remember. his name is his name is Anthony Ingruber. Okay, he he does a blend of Hamill and Heath Ledger and like Nicholson all over the one. Yeah, it's a little bit of all three of them. I agree. Yeah, so. If I I would try and do that approach of being like I don't want to copy everybody, but I'm going to take inspiration and then so put like, your own spin on it. Exactly. So like, who who would I choose? Like someone who's got a quirky voice. So like, I honestly I would go with uh, what Garmin does. Well, unfortunately, Garmin does it, but like whenever they do a a live reading on Babylon for a, for a Batman comic book, yeah, he always chooses um, Cesar Romero. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, he, cho- he chooses uh, Ed Wynn. For who? 
The Joker. No, he's always doing the one from from '66. He even says it. You're getting things confused because he's done Edwin for other no. characters. He's not doing Edwin for the Joker because he does a Cesar Romero. He does a Cesar Romero, but he's definitely done because there's been at least two or three episodes where he's done Edwin as the Joker. And when Kev- and when Kevin heard that, he's like, "Holy shit, dude!" Like, "Oh my goodness gracious, Bolchenow! Oh, Batman, I love you!" <laughs> like, it is it is exactly what I would imagine if it was the Joker in the '40s. Yeah, it would be Edwin. So. I like that's honestly that's who I would go. I would go someone like that if if I was like chosen to be uh, the Joker's voice. But I still think of Mark Hamill. I think of Mark Hamill as as the Joker from the. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Market. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Animated series. And from the Arkham games. And his, it just, but Heath uh, Ledger did an amazing job. So I'm with you. Live action, Heath Ledger, animated, um, Mark Hamill. But I also love John DiMaggio's interpretation. Which no, is more... it's good too, but you can't beat Hamill. You can't beat you Hamill. Can't beat not, you, no. Um, can I can I bring the room down for just a second? Just because of something you said? Right. You No. Um, my dad, before he passed, was a... I guess he started regressing a little bit in life, so he... He loved like animated kids movies and and Harry Potter and those kinds of movies. And I'm not saying anything against Harry Potter, but I'm just saying like he he was more into those kinds of movies in in his last years and months and days. And the last time I saw him, he had me put on Charlotte's Web for him. So every time I think of Charlotte's Web, it makes me think of the last time I saw my father. Well, I mean, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, and, and I didn't say that because you did something wrong or said something bad, but it, it just makes me think of the last time I saw my father every time I think of Charlotte's Web. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> so um, anyway. I, I'll tell you I'll tell you something that is going with what our what we're talking about. Nothing about Please. your father or something about the yeah, Joker. Yeah. yeah. I think how he got the voice and the mannerisms of the Joker, uh Heath Ledger, is from Tom Waits. There, you will look, look. Just hear me out, okay? And oh, all yeah. you listeners, I'm listening. Hear me out. There is a, there was a, you could find on YouTube, there is a Tom Waits interview where he is squirrely as fuck and he doesn't have the deep, booming voice that he has now, where he's like, God's away on business, business, which is one of my favorite songs of his. Yeah. He, when he's talking, he is clearly on something. And you could tell the interviewer has no fucking clue what he is like. Like, he's like, I didn't sign up for this shit. But it's Tom Waits, and he's got like a little fucking pork pie hat. And he's got like a kind of a, you know, a mesh of whatever suit he's assigned to wear. And he is chain smoking. And he's just kind of moving around. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, I need an ashtray. Uh, I need a pop my cigarette now. And the interviewer's like, how are you doing, Tom? He's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. How are, how are you? Are you doing good? And you're like, 
it's the fucking Joker. It's the straight up Joker's voice. Right. And because I know Heath Ledger, it's, it's been documented well that he based it, everything on a Clockwork Orange and a little bit of Sid Vicious and, and uh, um, uh, uh, whoever played uh, Michael McDowell. Um, oh, from Clockwork? Yeah, it's Michael McDowell. From Clockwork Orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, so Isn't he, it Malcolm? Not Michael. Malcolm. Malcolm. Uh, yeah, Malcolm. Yeah. Dude, I fucked up when I was talking about the Iron Giant the other day. I was like, oh, dude, the guy who plays the villain, the voice actor, he is so good. It's Michael McDonald. And like, I, then I hear in the background of that go, Christopher. Like, Chris, oh, Christopher McDonald. Fuck. Yeah, and Michael McDonald's like, a singer. <laughs> I know. And then I broke up and like, <laughs> that's my really shitty Michael McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so throughout the video, I just referred to him as Michael McDonald like four or five times. I'm like, oh, that's fuck. funny. It's the guy from uh, Happy Gilmore, the yeah. villain. The what? So he voiced the villain. The the other guy, like I eat pieces of shit, like you for breakfast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of his name. I will have to look him up. I know who you're talking. About. He's a character actor who's been in a bunch of shit. Yeah, it's Chris from McDonald. Oh, okay. I'm thought you were talking about Malcolm. Still, I'm I'm losing your train of thought here, Rico. Don't, don't worry about it. So he he obviously based it on because he wrote a diary as the Joker. Okay. So he it's clearly documented what you know in his diary. But for the voice, I one hundred percent believe it's Tom Waits because he was working with Tom Waits in his last movie, which is the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Mm. I gotta imagine he hung around with Tom Waits. I was like, fuck, dude, Tom Waits is such a cool dude. I'm going to look up some old YouTube videos. And he found that. And holy shit. That is a weird, that is a really unique voice. You know, this, ah, uh, yeah, you know, all on here. And, and then he, and then he evolved it. He made it his own. You know, when people were watching the Joker, they weren't like, oh, that's Tom Waits. Fuck you. He thought you're like, holy shit. I've never heard this voice before. One of the things I love about the way Ledger does, Ledger, oh God, Ledger does the Joker is he, he changes the voice a lot. There's a baseline that he maintains that he like hovers around, but the voice changes yeah. enough that it, it makes it really intriguing. Depending on who he's talking to, what he's talking about, the voice fluctuates. Like I said, it hovers around a baseline, and you're our voice guy, so you you please if you if I'm way off here, stop me. But you know, like like I I think about you were talking about the pencil scene earlier. Right, and I I think it's Michael Jai White's character who calls him a freak, and he's like, "No, no, I'm not." That he, yeah. he hits that yeah, yeah. T. Do you know what I mean? Like he does that kind of shit, but then he'll be talking to Harvey way later on, and be like, "And and you do it better than I do." But when he's talking about like, "I wouldn't know what to do if I caught it," you know, the talking about the d dog chasing cars, like that's. Yeah diametrically on other sides of the room from each other. But you and buy it. You, 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 you buy into it hook, line, and sinker. Like, it fits. You know what I'm saying? And then he gets to the point where he's, like, he's got this low roar as he's like, look at me! Yes, yes. When, he, when he's talking to the fake Batman on, on the videotape, yeah. Like, he, you know, he... And he doesn't laugh very often, but when he hit that laugh that one time on that video, when he just got done killing the fake Batman, man, that sent chills up my fucking spine. Well, he has numerous laughs. That's also what I love. 
He's yeah. The first laugh he's brought in, he's like, oh, oh, ha, ha. And I thought and my I jokes thought were my bad. My jokes were bad. <laughs> yeah. And then he does the the giggle where he's like, why do you want to kill me? <laughs> I don't want to kill you. You know, he, he, he has, and then where there's a part where he's driving the truck and he yep. smashes in and he's like, <laughs> you know, he does this weird, like loud, yep. like, I love like this. A, I like this job. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> You're like, holy shit, dude, this is unnerving. Or even in the same in the same sequence, real quick, and I don't want to break them all down, but this is a really good one too. In the same sequence, after the truck flips and he gets out and he's sitting there with the machine gun and Batman's coming at him on the bat pod and he's like, Come on, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Come on, hit me, hit me. You know, and he just gets angrier and deeper and aggressive and it's just awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. And yesterday you kind of channeled it for like, come on, I want you, I want Henry, come on, come on. And then, and then, which at the same time, you're like, you're looking at Bale, and, you, and Bale yells and goes, ah! And you're like, what are you doing, Bale? Yeah, I mean, this, it's nothing against Bale, Bale, but it was so hard. He, he does a good job. He holds his own against Ledger in that interrogation scene. That may be one of the best cinematic scenes I've ever seen, period. He holds I his own there. I read Ledger insisted that Bale hit him in the face. Well, when he smacks his head on the table? No, no, like when he punches him. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I Maybe. I don't like, know. I didn't. There's only a couple actors that I've read like where like they got hit in the face for real. And I'm, I'm saying this because it's a little segue. It's, it's Ledger, and it's also Harrison Ford in Air Force One. Okay. He insisted I... that Gary Oldman punch him. And like really wail on him. Okay. And that's where Gary Oldman got the nickname Scary Gary because he scared the shit out of everyone. And look, it, if, if the Dark Knight was going to be made in the early 90s, it would be Gary Oldman as the Joker. You think so? Oh, yeah. If Nicholson was not available, it would be either be Nicholson or it would be Brad Dorif, See, whose I... voice is Chucky. I'm gonna look. I'm telling you right now. I'm I'm gonna commit what's probably known as sacrilege. But like, I didn't like Nicholson's Joker. I never have. He was too uncle. Like he was like a clowning uncle for me. Yeah, but he was got creepy for me. You know, here's what it is for me, and I don't think I realized it till just now. I'm not even joking. The Joker is supposed to be Batman's equal on the other side. He's the yin to his yang. Like, seriously, they're supposed to be two sides of the same coin. And Which and is Nick fucking stupid because the opposite of a bat is not a cloud, but I go, go ahead. No, but I'm just talking about not that, not, you're looking at the symbolism. I'm talking about the, Batman's equally as insane as Joker. He just controls it differently or uses it differently. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's yeah, driven. All, he's, all it takes is one push. Right, exactly, and and I've always kind of viewed it that way. And Nicholson is not the equivalent to Batman. I think he's the equivalent of that Batman. Maybe, maybe. Uh, in the same sense of like, look at it, look at it this way: Jared Leto's Joker compared to Ben Affleck's Batman. Oh God, it's, yeah, not not even close. 
In a perfect world for me, it would be Heath Ledger's Joker against Ben Affleck's Batman. That would have been that, interesting. I would, or Eve, honestly, say we take Heath Ledger off the table. Say Heath Ledger never portrayed the Joker. It just right. doesn't exist. Right. I would actually be like, I would love to see Joaquin Phoenix's Joker against Ben Affleck's Batman. I just think Jared Leto's Joker was just fucking awful. Yeah, it was poor choices. It was. Um, there were parts of his Joker I liked. There were. Like, there were scenes that I liked, being very honest. Well, you only get four fucking scenes, really. Yeah, but, yeah. I like I liked the part where he's, like, interrogating some dude and he purrs. Any goes- what? Oh, I... No, the one I liked... My favorite scene of his was when he in the car with Harley. I didn't like his laugh. I think he had the worst fucking laugh. Like, ah, ah, ah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, the laugh was terrible. And that's what, that's going back to Ledger, that's what you talked about. He had multiple laughs depending on what he was doing. You know, like. And Nicholson's was also very one nosed. (laughs) Like, (laughs) there was a lot of hee hees and ha ha's and ho ho's. I. I almost wonder if that was Joel Schumacher's inspiration for the two movies he did. Like, did he look at that Joker and be like, I need to, I need to match the Joker in terms of the campiness. And that's where he came up with the two movies he did. Well, that's why I didn't like Two-Face. I didn't like Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face. He just looked like a bad impression of, of uh, Nicholson's Joker. That's fair. And Two-Face is not supposed to be laughing maniacally like that. He's supposed to be fucking angry as shit. I will say this. Yeah. For The Dark Knight Returns, the comic book movie that came out, the animated one. Michael Emerson. Michael, well, for Two-Face. Oh, right, right. That interpretation, which is straight from the comic book, is really fucking accurate because he gets plastic surgery. He looks like Harvey Dent again. If not, he looks bald, but he looks like Harvey Dent. The face. The face is right, though. Yeah. The, the The face is symmetrical. The face is even. But in his own mind, he views himself as one face that's scarred and fucked up. Yeah, both sides are fucked up now instead of just the one. Yeah. yeah. Because the psyche's all over the place. Whereas I didn't get that psyche from Tommy Lee Jones. I just thought he was just like, you know, he's just like, and me. Like, shut up, Tommy. Yeah, see, just go t- back to the fugitives, you know. I, well, see, again, to me, that's script and and Schumacher and that whole thing. I blame more on that than I do on Tommy Lee. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I I just love these Dark Knight movies, and and the Dark Knight Rises such. It's it's really hard for me to watch. The best part of that movie, though, and we haven't even touched on it. We talked about the negatives on that movie. There is one huge pot. There's two positives, I would say. One's a positive and a negative simultaneously, if that makes sense. A, a positive negative. Um, a two-faced, if you will. If you will. Um, is Tom Hardy's Bane. Because there's parts yes. of it that are amazing, but there's parts of it that are like... Ugh. Like, I almost... <laughs> I And I think you and I have talked about this once off-air, off but it, when I watched it back to get ready for this recording, I... You're going to laugh when I say this because it's going to sound funny. But I made a point when he was talking on screen and you could do it, watch his Adam Apple, 
Adam's apple because I wanted to see if it didn't feel like he was ever really talking. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if they went back in and and um. Oh, they definitely fucked the voice. Uh, no, I I think it's I, there's enough evidence for me to believe that, but it's it it's a question I had for a long time. Do you know what I mean? There is uh, footage on YouTube where it shows his first take and his first interpretation, which sounds very similar. Right. But then in post, they lightened it and made it more high pitched. And I'll I'll try to, to do a vocal impression to give you an example. Sure. Um, because the clip the clips are of the opening scene in the plane. Okay. And it shows him like at one point where he's like, "Was being caught part of your plan?" And then Bane goes, in his in Tom Hardy's first one, he goes, "Of course." Like it's more guttural and lower. Like, of right. course. And then in post, it's of course, like more high pitched, like of course. Right. So they definitely fuck with it. Um, which to be fair, either interpretation, either inflection, either vocal uh, choice that they would chose would have been a weird and unique voice. You got to admit it's a, fu- I mean, I'm with you. Some of the best things about dark Knight rises is Tom Hardy. I know what you're, the other one's going to be for you. Right. Catwoman? Oh, you do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Catwoman. Is it in a half? In yeah, a half I, away? I think she, the best Catwoman I've ever seen. I, and, and I like Michelle Pfeiffer. I get it, but I feel like she's closer to the character that we know. She's a better Selena Kyle. I just, yeah, I liked her version. It has nothing to do with, look, we, we joke around about how girls look a lot, and we're guys, and we're, it's what we do. I mean, that's just, let's be real. Shit, I had no idea. What's that? We are shit. I had no idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the, the point is that, um, this has nothing to do with how she looks. Like, she is attractive, and she, she fits that role that way good too, because Selena's supposed to be a little seductive. That's Selena Kyle, you know. Yeah, if she was the if she was an accurate Catwoman, she'd be like a forty year old woman with a fucking house of cats. You're like they don't <laughs> want to go that approach. They want right. they want a cat burglar. You know, they want her to be seductive. They want someone who can uh, like one of my f- elude Batman with her body as well as her mind and her wit. Right. And one of my favorite parts that she has in the whole movie is when she's going to meet the guy to, to give the um, fingerprints to the, I don't remember the guy's name, but you know, because it's the assistant for the, the Daggett, Daggett's assistant. Yeah. Daggett played by Ben Mendelsohn. By the right. Way. That's right. Krennic. But he, yeah. She's selling the fingerprints to his assistant, and after that happens, the police storm in because she tricks him into using the senator's phone or governor, whatever he was. And the cops come in, and she starts immediately, like, bawling, like, I'm scared. I'm not going to try to do it because I'm going to fucking embarrass the shit out of myself. But you know what I'm talking about, where she's like... yeah. She's acting like she's a victim, and the minute the dude's out of sight, she, like, turns it off, and she's perfectly fine. Well, she does that too. Um, and I, and look, I agree, but for a long time I was really like, ah, I'm not, I don't like her, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it was nothing to do with Anne Hathaway. I've always, I mean, I have a soft spot for the Princess Diaries. That's right. I'm a 27 year old man. I love the Princess Diaries. 
I love well, her. You talked about it. the second one uh, on the, on the Stan Lee episode because he well, makes that was the because Stan Lee's in it. Yeah, but you know, uh, I was that guy who was like, "Oh, my Catwoman is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer," but that was because I looked at it as like she is the perfect Catwoman for that movie. You can't yes. have Anne Hathaway's Catwoman for that. Anne Hathaway's yeah. Catwoman. Anne Hathaway's Catwoman is perfect for this bail, you know, kind of gadget gadget uh, using. Right, uh, I I agree. I, and that, I have a problem that you didn't call her Catwoman, by the way. Um, I think they call her the cat. I think at one point, Rico, and I'd have to go back to watch it, so I'm not going to sit and say this is gospel. But I think if you go and watch the movie again, when when he has her um, rap sheet up on the screen. After he figures out who she is, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it says Catwoman that. on the screen. You're right; it's never verbally said, but I think it does say Catwoman on the screen. No, it says the cat or cat burglar. It doesn't say okay. Catwoman. Okay. The okay. only time it's the the only time they say Catwoman is in the subtitles where she says something. Hmm. Okay. But they refer to her as Selena Kyle the entire time. Yeah, I, um, I get it. And I understand where you're coming from, but I think it's I think it's okay. Like I mean, if I'm gonna, you know, on a list of complaints about that movie, that's not near the top of the list. What I liked about her interpretation was that she based Catwoman uh, on the original inspiration for Catwoman, which is Hedy Lamarr. Right. Uh, so way back when they were making the comics in late '30s, early '40s. Whenever Catwoman was introduced in the comics, it was based on Hedy Lamarr. So I like that Anne Hathaway went to the root, the original source. Right. I just wish they would have called her. Look, but also I have a problem with the fact that he, like of all the women that Bruce Wayne is going after, he goes after her. Like, I get it. I get the, I get the attraction. I get the, you know, she's fucked up like me. I get it. But I just, it brings me to that fucking final scene, which we almost talked about earlier in the episode, but I got to talk about it now. The, the fact that Bruce Wayne is sort of mildly torturing Alfred, because Alfred thinks he's dead. Alfred mourned Bruce Wayne, and he, he has this really fucking heartbreaking scene where, where, he he's says, I failed you. To, where he's talking to Thomas and Martha Wayne's tombstones, and he is brokenhearted. And I gotta give it credit. This is when I'll, this is when um, Michael Caine acts. Because throughout the movie, he's really not acting. He's 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 having fun and he's doing his lines and he's being Alfred. But this is when he's fucking acting. Which is like, yeah, I'll style you. I'll I'll style you. You're like, holy shit, dude. I feel for this guy. And then he goes off to fucking Italy, sits at the same cafe. Which, by the way, he never told Bruce Wayne where that location was. Right. You know, I've been to Italy. There's a fuck ton of cafes in Italy. Well, they fucking wait, they invented coffee. To be fair, maybe it's the only place you can get this alcoholic beverage that he drinks. Because he says the name of the drink. No. no. Okay. That alcoholic drink is a Fernet. That is, that is, a Fernet is a, is a licorice liqueur. Okay. Which it's disgusting. It's an Italian Jaeger. Okay. That's all it is. And so he's at the fucking cafe. And he talks about this whole, he talks like, you know, 
when before you came back to Gotham, when you were all fucking in Nepal, getting your ass kicked by fucking Ra's al Ghul and shit, I would take a holiday, which means which means he went to Italy every fucking year, and he didn't do a goddamn thing. So good for you, Alfred, for fucking taking advantage of that vacation when you had nothing to do. Right. You had a house to periodically fucking feather dust. You didn't do shit. But good for you for taking that fucking vacation. So he goes to the same cafe, had his same fucking drink, and he would envision and imagine that he would see Bruce Wayne sitting across your little yonder with a wife, and some kids, and he'd be happy. And neither of them would say anything to each other, but they would just acknowledge each other, and that would be it. That's what he wanted. And Kevin Smith says this like it, it's a goodwill hunting moment, you know, where they talk about this thing in the middle of the fucking movie, and at the very end, that's what he gets. Where Ben Affleck, well, with Batman of all fucking things, telling Matt Damon, "I go to your house, and I wish, you know, for about ten seconds, I wish you were not there." Right. And you just fucking took off. And at the end of the film, he does. And it's a beautiful scene. So they stole that. I mean, I, you know, it, it, it is a good idea and it's a good scene. But having that to be the ending is ruins the film because Bale should have fucking died. Batman should have died. At the end well, of we talked movie. about that earlier in the ways that he might not have. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but uh, there's those ways. Did you, um, you did notice who was sitting with him? Yeah, it was Selena fucking Kyle yeah. wearing his mother's pearls, by the way. Yeah. Which I, I got to think are as a little like, hey, remember these pearls that you stole from me and I had to like steal them back from you and then I got my back broken because of the whole fucking thing. Here you go. Like these pearls have seen way too much mileage for just being so fucking pearl. So he's sitting, then the, it's the end of the movie. Alfred's at, back having his another fucking holiday, presumably retired at this point. Like, fuck, dude, just stay in Italy. Learn Italian. Fuck some, old, fuck some Italian chicks. And then he's sitting at his cafe, and he sees a little yonder. He sees Bruce Wayne. He sees Bruce Wayne sitting with fucking Selena Kyle. And he's just kind of like, he gives him this look of like, oh, hello. And then he just gets up and walks the fuck away. And Bruce Wayne kind of gives him a little fucking like, hey, how are you? And blah, blah, blah. End of the movie. If I was fucking Alfred, and I mourn Batman. And if I mourn Bruce Wayne, and I see that motherfucker sitting across from me, which, by the way, should never fucking happen because Bruce Wayne is presumed dead. And we already talked about how Bruce Wayne is globally recognized. There's right. no way he'd be sitting in a fucking cafe. He'd be in hiding forever. You have to well, get surgery. To be fair, he wasn't recognized in Nepal either, except by Ducard. That's true. But he wasn't as famous, he wasn't as globally known. I don't think he's. He was just a kid. I don't think he's any less. Because think about what I don't want to necessarily argue against you, but think about if that's your argument for why he'd be recognized now. Think about when he was meeting with Falcone in Batman Begins before he ever leaves for Nepal or any of those other places he goes to, wherever he does his travels to. I know he ends up in Nepal, but when he's sitting there talking to him and he's like. You're Bruce Wayne, the Prince of Gotham. You'd have to go a thousand miles before anyone would, would know who you were. So, I mean, like, he's that famous at that point, at 23, 24. So, it... I was envisioned being, like, about 17 in that, in that scene. No, because yeah, he's coming back from Princeton. He can't be. He's in college. So, maybe 20. I'll give you 20. But, like, he... All right, all right. You know, he was in college. So, it, you know, to, to that Regard point alone... Regardless of whether he's recognized or not, he really would not... If I was Alfred, I would run over there and bitch slap him and say, dude, what the <laughs> fuck? 
I fucking mourned your ass. I fucking weeped for your soul so many goddamn times. I was depressed. Bruce, I took a lot of pills. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was, I, I committed, I almost attempted suicide. I I had to be, I'm on antidepressants, dude. I'm on Zoloft. What the fuck? Here you I, are just fucking stalking my ass. Well, that goes back to the biggest plot of the biggest problems I have with the Dark Knight Rises. Like, Batman would never just give up. He would have never taken eight years off to begin with, and then he would have never just been like, all right, I did what I had to do. Like, he'd still be out I, there catching thieves. Yeah, presumably there would still be other fucking people going after Gotham after Bane. Just because he stopped Bane doesn't just mean Gotham's not fucked. Exactly. Still the Scarecrow's still around. I agree. But no, he, give, he gives it to fucking Robin. He gives it to fucking Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's doing his best Brooklyn accent when, when they're not in Brooklyn. He gives it to fucking poor man's Robin. It's it's uh, no, like I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt as an actor, but introducing the Robin thing was just fucking stupid. Um, yeah, I agree. I'm about to end it right there. No, but- who is it here? Because Deb was asking me, so like he's the new Robin. I'm like, no, he can't be Robin because Robin would be a sidekick. If anything, he's the new Batman. But then she she actually brought up a, a good point. What about if she if he was Nightwing? Well, he would be Nightwing. You think he would have been Nightwing? Be- I don't, I think he's what I think is he's destined to fucking fail. Well, that's that's another conversation altogether, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying like just if he was going to pick up what mantle would he pick up? Would he pick up the Batman or would he pick up something new like Nightwing? He he'd probably be Batman because he probably there probably is another costume, another suit. Otherwise, he'd have to make his own suit. Or or I mean, it could be argued that Lucius would make him the Nightwing suit. I'm pretty sure Lucius is like, I'm done with this shit. I'm not ready to fucking take on another Batman right now. I don't think so, especially when he finds out that the autopilot was fixed. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And and what I I will say is I don't care. That's the worst thing about this (laughs) is that I just don't give a shit. Like, you know, it's not like Star Wars where you can, like, advance on theories and like, oh, what do you think Luke was doing on Octu? What do you think blah, blah, blah? I just don't care. And that's, that's the problem with the Dark Knight trilogy is, like, I... I loved it when they came out. I accepted them for the, what they were, and I settled for the Batman we got. But it didn't make me give a shit. I was like, oh, man, I want to see a Nightwing movie. I mean, I was like, well, if Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to do it and they're going to make a spinoff, I would like to see that because I love all movies. I was going to see fucking Halle Berry's Catwoman in fucking 2000 shit. That's what the year that came out. It was 2000 shit. Right. But, you know, same with Electra, same with Daredevil. I want to see every comic movie. I want to see fucking the new... Um, uh, the new X Men movie that looks fucking awful. Which which uh, one? The, Dark Phoenix. The uh, Dark Phoenix one. It looks awful. I haven't seen the trailer yet. It looks awful, and I've heard so much fucking uh, because they've done a lot of test audience shit, and they're all saying like it is just like everything that you didn't like about Apocalypse, they expand on and make it the whole fucking movie for this. Yeah. Movie. I, I didn't really have a problem with Apocalypse. I know a lot of other people did, but I didn't really have a problem with Apocalypse. So I had a problem with Apocalypse based on them jumping off of Days of Future Past because I like Days of Future Past, even though it's got its, its own plot holes. I just I mean, thought Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse was not a great way to go. Well, it looks like Ivan. It looks like Ivan Ooze from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Movie. Yeah, I could, I could argue, I could agree with that. But but going back to that cafe. You've got to imagine Catwoman, Selena Kyle, is getting pissed off. They have to sit at that fucking cafe every day on the off chance that Alfred shows up. She's like, dude, we're in Italy. Can you fucking take me to some fucking museums, dude? Unless, and how the, 
they pay for that shit. Unless they, I mean, I guess you could, you could argue that he tracked them. He tracked them, but you know what would have been simpler? A tweet, a text. They're like, hey, Alfred, I know you're like depressed, but it's all good. Like, I don't have to fucking like haunt you at a cafe. Just like go enjoy your cafe, but I'm alive. By the way, yeah. I'm begging Selena Kyle. Can you believe that shit? Like I'm begging Catwoman. This is amazing. Last woman I begged fucking stuck it to me, which I know we're almost done, dude. We, we have, no, we're good. But uh, what's her fucking name? Marion Cotillard? Oh, the actress? Yeah. Hold on. I've got it right here. I, I brought up all three casts because I knew we'd need names and stuff. Uh, Marion, yeah, I guess Cotillard is how you would say it. I'm not certain, but it looks right. She is a great actress. But she has one of the shittiest fucking deaths I've ever seen in a movie. Like, yeah. now my father's work will be complete. It just fucking like hangs her head like instant death. Didn't even like like didn't even give us a fucking Yoda. Like there will be another. <laughs> it just like slowly hang, drift off, and death. Like there's give only, me that. Just like there's only two movies she's been in that I've ever seen. So far, Inception and Dark Knight Rises. Yep, she actually was really good in the movie um, La Vie en Rose. You know the song uh, La Vie en Rose, that whole fucking French song. No, but I've actually heard the name, believe it or not. But I'm not familiar <coughs> with the song. She plays the. It was a. It's a French song. She plays uh, Edith Piaf. I want to oh, say. Wait the, a minute! I take that back. She's in another movie I've seen. I don't remember her character, but I've seen this movie a couple times. It's a movie I really enjoy, actually. She's in Big Fish. As, jo- as Josephine Bloom, it says. As what? Josephine Bloom is the character's name. Oh, she plays um, when they're going back and forth between Albert Finney and Ewan McGregor playing the same guy. When right. it's Albert Finney and he's an old man and it's his son. Uh, oh, is that his wife? She, she plays his wife, I think. Oh, okay. All right. Whatever. I mean, look, she's a good no, no, actress. Yeah, no, I'm not shitty. saying anything negative about her. I just, I was looking at her credits and I don't recognize a lot of these movies. I just look at that. I'm like, Did Christopher Nolan really need the fucking light that day. Could he been like, all right, that was awful. Let's do another fucking take, please. Yeah. Like whatever you just did, don't do that. I don't think he didn't give a shit. Like I've said it a couple times and I'm going to stick yeah. to it. He, he phoned that whole fucking movie in. Yeah. I, I will say this: one of my favorite things before the throughout the whole trilogy, and the only villain to reappear is the Scarecrow, played by. Um, That's not true. Not true. There's another one. Who? Well, depends on what you want to call him, but Raz Al Ghul. But he's only in the first and third one. He's not in the Dark Knight, whereas oh. Scarecrow is in all three. No, he's the only one in all three. I thought you said he was the only one to reappear because Raz Al Ghul does reappear. Which, let's talk about that for a second. Fucking Ra's al Ghul, played by Liam Neeson. I, Liam I liked Neeson, it. I loved it. It was badass. It was, I always, like, it, I interpret it as, like, what if Qui-Gon was a Sith? What if he trained Darth Maul? Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And this is, like, this is probably one of the, like, apart from Phantom Menace, this is, like, the resurgence of Liam Neeson being a badass. Because he wasn't a complete badass in his movies. Yeah, but wasn't this after Taken, or was it before? Well, it was before. Okay. Taken in 2008. I actually have to ask you a quick question. We're getting way off for just a split second, but you mentioned 
um, him as Qui Gon, and it made me think of something I don't. Th- I don't think we talked about in Star Wars, and if we did, you can just quickly refresh my memory. But at the end of Revenge of the Sith, um, right before Obi Wan leaves to go to Tatooine with Luke as a little baby. Yoda stops him and says, before you go training, I have for you. And I'm sure I'm fucking up the Yoda, but just go with me. <laughs> you, got, you, got the, you got the speech pattern down, yeah? Oh, okay. As long as I got the spat- pattern down, that's what I was going for, not the voice. Um, and he says, he basically tells him that Qui-Gon figured out how to be a Force ghost. Mm-hmm. And yet we've never seen a Qui-Gon Force ghost. Ever. That was, that was, a, there was what it was, it was that scene was supposed to be featured. It was a deleted scene, or it just never got filmed because Liam Neeson uh, got in a motorcycle accident. Okay, and it was deemed unfilmable. Uh, but it, I agree, it would have been nice to have had a little bit of like Qui Gon telling like Yoda because that's he teaches Yoda how to do that, or even or even have him appear to, to Obi Wan at least once. You know, yeah, something or or, or even. The, the closest you get to that is Anakin having uh, nightmares. And I think the third one. And you hear Liam Neeson go, Anakin! Anakin! So it just sounds like Liam Neeson. Because like they took that, you could hear it. I'd have to listen to it again because I don't remember that. You also hear it in uh, Yoda's meditation. He is going through some meditation bullshit he's hearing and just disturbance of the force and you hear qui-gon's voice go anakin anakin like repeatedly okay i'll have to go back and so watch was, it again but that anyway was the closest I, we got to a liam neeson force ghost. i just yeah i just would like to have seen that but anyway go ahead but he was sort of a he was sort of a raz al ghul force ghost in dark knight rise yeah absolutely i mean he wasn't that was the half glowing and blue but <laughs> what's that well, yeah. That was the closest we can get to, um, I don't know, uh, to him, uh, to Ra's al Ghul being immortal. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second because I actually like how they did interpret that to keep it because re- because one of the things Chris Nolan aimed to do was keep it as realistic as possible for all three movies. The atom bomb right. was a little much, but <laughs> let's not split that hair right now or that atom for that matter. Um, you know, but he. <laughs> He went out of his way to make the movie as realistic as possible, and or movies, and what he did with so the Ra's al Ghul was, you know, Ken Watanabe when he's training, and then they get a guy that kind of looks like him. So they keep getting this, you know, Asian guy and having him forcing him to grow the goatee the same way, and that's the way they like kept re re. Uh, reborning? That's not a word, though. <laughs> Re- resurgence. Re- Re- reinvigorating? I don't know. But anyway, the point is, you keep getting... Rebooting. Rebooting. You keep getting Raz al Ghul that way. And I think that's a good way. That that was a cool way to do it without having the mysticism of a Lazarus pit. Which I know you said is kind of what the prison is, but that you know what I'm getting at. Like, it's not this pool of green liquid that he jumps in and comes out a young man. Yeah, and and not to mention, uh, Henry Ducard is the ultimate is Ra's al Ghul in secret. So no right. matter what, the legend lives on. But it did it imply that the League of Shadows is dead now? Like the only the resurgence of that is Bane, but Bane right. was um, was cast aside. And Talia, 
It, it's and Talia. So it, Talia it's and say, Bane are both dead. Right. It's fair to say that Talia could have been the um the demon's head up up at that point at least. Right. Um. Which I saw that coming a mile away. By the way, did you? Did no. you know? Like, no. Oh, I saw that shit immediately. But to be fair, when I I wasn't as familiar with the Razagul storyline from Batman. I knew a lot of the other rogues. Like I knew, I knew Bang, or, uh, Penguin and, and Joker and Bane to a lesser extent. Like I know that Bane's not even close to what the forget the Venom serum stuff. Like he's not even a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like it's not even. Vives en Virginia. Si recibiste la vacuna contra COVID-19, sigues estando protegido. Este otoño estaremos poniendo dosis de refuerzo para ayudar a prolongar esa protección. No olvides que el Departamento de Salud de Virginia sigue siendo tu mejor fuente de información sobre el COVID-19. Para saber si puedes recibir la dosis de refuerzo y programar una cita, visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Este es un mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. But he, when he was a luchador wrestler that got the venom, and that's how he ended up. That's why he wears the mask, but that's also why he's the just gigantic dude. But they also they did get the sort of backstory of Bane pretty good in Dark Knight Rises as well, because Bane was born in a prison. I mean, okay. clearly, I mean, in the Dark Knight Rises, we uh, we uh, we assume Bane was the child that was born in a prison, but it's right. it Talia. But so they they sort of took Bane's backstory and put it for Talia al Ghul is really what they did. Right. I personally, li I, I would have been mortified if they had the, uh, the mask. I liked the mask. And I, you know, I thought it was a nice, it was a Nolan, it was a Nolan-esque idea. Like the same way yeah. with the Catwoman ears being her visor. Yeah, I actually really liked that with the Catwoman. Like I thought that worked. It allowed her to be in costume but not in costume at the same time. Like I, I really like that. I was a fan of that. The only thing I didn't like about Catwoman was the fact that she knew how to drive the bat cycle or the bat pod immediately and like knew everything about that fucking thing. Um. Well, look, I, I fancy I mean, myself I a car personal, person. It, 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 it didn't look that complicated <laughs> to me. I mean, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. If someone, even if someone like is really good at like Harleys and shit, no pun intended for Harley, um, they would still have to be like, I need a fucking training course to like use this fucking uh, bat pod. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it balances itself. The tires are fucking, you know, four feet wide. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, I also, did you like that she killed Bane? <sighs> I didn't have a problem that she killed Bane. I just thought that the, it was too quick and not really fitting for the, what the character had been built up to up to that point. Well, Joker was right. Guns are too quick. Like, no shit. Bane's gone. Yeah. Well, that wasn't even a gun. It was like a cannon. <laughs> yeah. I I made this, uh, this observation that like Ben Affleck's Batman is if you took Christian Bale's Batman and Bane and sort of combined the two. He's a hulking figure. His fighting, yeah. Bane's fighting is more ferocious than Bale's fighting. You know, Deb, you know brought up, he, Deb brought up a good point about Bane when we were watching it. And she knows the Deb, to her credit, for people who don't know her as well as I do and, and even you to a degree, 
is much more versed in comic books and those kinds of things than than most females, at least that I know. You know what I mean? I'm I don't have a lot of women in my life that are versed in that stuff. There are some, and the ones that are are awesome, and the ones even the ones that aren't are are awesome. But still, the point is that Deb. I, I really hit the jackpot in that regard. Like, we can sit and have a debate about Bane, and she's not like, oh, my God, why are we talking about this? Like, she'll get right into that conversation with me, and she'll, she'll right. point out, you know, flaws and things. And her big thing was, like, Bane's supposed to have this super strength because of the Venom serum and all that kind of stuff. That's why he can break Batman's back and whatnot. And Bane in this movie is, like, punching through walls and with no real booster, if you will. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And she's like, how is he not breaking his hand? Because he does not have the venom serum. He doesn't have the booster that he should have to have that kind of power. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that as well. The only thing is, is that when he's breaking the wall, the, he is pure rage at that point. And that's sort of his berserker mode. Right. When, When Batman, Batman fucks up his mouth breather thing, which is fueling the um, the gas, which keeps him the pain threshold to a minimum. See, that's the other thing about that mask. Like, it was fine, I guess, but like, I never took it as a as a fueling agent. I took it as a uh, rebreather. Do you know what no, I mean? Like, I viewed I viewed it as a, it was a constant like dose of morphine air going into into his uh, bloodstream through. Yes. Okay, I guess. I mean, that's but how then, I envision. But then, where was it? Where was it being so stored? When he's the wall in little capsules. That's how I. I think there are little capsules that he screwed in, and like, like, like a CO two thing. Okay. So yeah. Then I, I had a completely different vision of what that mask was, but that's fine. And I'm not really wanting to debate the the minutia of that mask. I was just, yeah. Anyway, well, go Talia, ahead. when he's when he's like in the fucking room, and Talia stabs Batman. She goes over and like you see, she fixes the thing for him. Like she screws it in, right? Which implies she knows what she probably fucking made the damn thing for. Him. She could have, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, but him, I agree with you. Him breaking the fucking concrete like pillar, I think is a mixture of uh, he is in full blown rage because like I am disoriented because now I'm experiencing pain because the fucking breathing apparatus is all broken. As well as him, so disoriented, he's not even aware he's hitting the wall. So he probably See, did break his fucking hand. My my only defense to it, and it's weak at best, is in. I think it's a scene where he's fighting him in the sewer. He's not wearing a shirt, and if you see his spine, there's a gigantic scar down his spine. So there may be some kind of implant yeah. in his spine that gives him that kind of power. I don't know, but. That's that's possible. Um, we got for we're I mean we're gonna think like tie things up a little bit, but like sure that fight scene in the sewer is pound for pound one of the I mean no pun intended, but pound for pound one of the best fight scenes and best Batman fight scenes I've seen a long time. The only it's, thing that I think pops it is the Batfleck scene in the warehouse. I was just gonna say that scene with Bat with with Batfleck going after Martha was pretty badass. That's that That's was a- that is for me is the best, but fucking Bane and Batman fucking like Bane is just having a conversation while Batman's like ah! like getting more and more frustrated like trying to hit him and Bane's like you know just doing his fucking like you fight like young man 
You know, like what you're just like he's like uh, like like a tutor. Like, oh yes, you gotta fight me now. Or you think, like you think the darkness is your ally. I was born in the darkness. <laughs> oh, you think darkness is your ally. I was born in it. Folded by it. I didn't see light, I was just about a map. Lighting. You know, you know that there's a rare thing that goes on in that scene for fight scenes and movies as a whole, right? No music. Yes, and it was on purpose. It was a conscious oh, decision to, and it gives the fight scene gravity. If you ask me, I think, I think, I think music would have not made it as good as it would it ended up being. I agree. I, even if you took like Danny Elfman's score. Yeah, from Batman to put that in that scene, it just would not fit. No, no, and it is, I, a, it is a brutal thing. You need to hear that. You need to hear that slapping and smacking. And I also think it gives. What I also think it does is it gives the indication that Batman's going to lose. Like you kind of feel that from the beginning. You, you know, know like, that going in, you're like, oh, yeah. he's getting his ass canceled. Yeah, you know. Now for I mean, me. Any, and, yeah. And it's not as great of a scene by any means. So please understand that I don't think that it is. But for me, the other really great fight scene in the series is when he's, and it's early, is when he's in the jail fighting the five guys or six guys, six guys. I love that fight scene. Oh, oh outside the courtyard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see he's got some training, but it's super unorthodox. Like even Rosal goes like, then you can see that when he's, his he has some training and it's but it's super unorthodox. It's right. really improvised. And even Razal Ghoul, when like Batman finally climbs that mountain, gets in the fucking the, the the League of Shadows fucking lair, like they start fighting for like a second, even though like Bruce Wayne's like, you know, like, I can't stand like I'm blah blah blah. And he's like, ah, Tiger and Crane and Nukitsu, and then he beats the shit out of him. So Bruce Wayne has been training. But yeah. like probably been training from like random like, oh, will you teach me? He's like, uh, yeah, I'll teach you. And then like, all right, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's. I just like that scene, and then especially at the end when the guards are pulling him away for solitary. And he's like, they're like for protection, and he's like, I don't need protection. It's like not for you, for them. <laughs> One scene I really didn't like was in the Dark Knight Rises when he and Catwoman are on the rooftops and they're fighting all those fucking goons and shit. From, they're from the League, yeah. Yeah. There is one... I mean, it is really much like you have to like watch it and stare at it. It's a, it's a pause and play kind of scene. You see a car- You see a stuntman to the left, like the upper left, and you really kind of have to really stare at it. There's a dude who's Batman and Catwoman are neither near him, and he does this thing where he move he moves left to right, and then just falls over. So like they're filming I, their scene, Bruce, Batman's fighting yeah. some dude, Catwoman's no, no. fighting some other dude. I know what you're talking about because I honestly I think it was a shit that should not be. Yeah, once. It is. I think it was. Yeah. And you're watching that, you're like, how the fuck did Nolan be? Like you're right, Nolan just didn't give a shit. He's like, all right, yeah, you fall over, fuck it. Yep. He he really didn't. He and that's not a shot of Chris Nolan because I I like him as a th- filmmaker and I haven't seen Dunkirk so I don't know how good that is. But I've seen Inception. I like that. I've seen these movies and I saw Memento once and I like that too. So he put all of his his creativity into Inception, right? Like he had nothing left for The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So and we have nothing left for 
the Dark Knight trilogy. I think at that point, it, I mean, the only thing I could mention is is uh, as uh, Gary Oldman as as. Um, yeah, we haven't really talked about him too much. You brought him up once earlier, and and he did a fine job. I'm not going to find any fault with it. I think he did a good job. I don't think it was. I think, I think the majority of the cast for the entire trilogy is amazing. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't do anything that was like mind blowingly. You know, like. Well, he has an arc. He has just yes. as much of an arc. Very true. That is really like more tragic. Speaking like, of that, or at least just as tragic. Yeah. Well, speaking of that arc, there's one part of his arc that fucking annoys me, and has nothing to do with him or anything to do with the story arc itself. But it's and it's during one of my favorite scenes, and and something we should very t- quickly talk about after I mention this, and then we'll wrap it up. But is during the scene where they're transporting um, Harvey Dent from the one jail to the prison and the Joker attacks. And that's Mm -hmm. Nikki Cat in the passenger seat fucking talking the whole goddamn time. Like, we need air support now. Oh, this is not good. Not good. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. That just annoyed the shit out of me. That's Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it was just like, okay, this is not good. Like, just shut up. I'm with, I'm right there with you. Like, well, and you know that's Nikki Cat. That's a dude that's been in some shit. That's not some random character actor. I don't know who Nikki Cat is. Yeah, um, Dazed and Confused. He's the guy that beats the shit out of um the guy that I want to be that wants to be a dancer. He's that. He's the tough guy in that. He's been in a bunch of stuff. I guarantee you. I'll even pull up his picture because I guarantee if you've seen Nikki Cat, you know who I'm talking about. Um, I got it. I got you. I've got IMDb open right here. So give me two seconds and I'll share it with you. Um, but the other yeah. thing I wanted to talk about real quick that I liked about these movies in general is we said a couple times now we think he's filmed in or phoned in a third one, but he lo- he really is good about authenticity and not wanting a whole lot of CGI and that whole kind of thing. Like a lot of people don't know and Deb didn't notice till I told her, but that, truck that they that flips in the dark night that's a fucking real big rig they flipped that truck that's not cgi you know so stuff like that i thought was cool mm-hmm. that's nikki cat yeah, yeah i didn't see what else I, I i didn't know what else it was in uh let's see there he is in the dark night that's him there uh-huh so anyway Which, that means gordon is he is the driver yeah yeah, Gordon was the driver, but he's got the full mask on because he's pulling the I'm dead trick, if you remember. I remember. Um, uh, Steph and I, when we were watching it, because he, uh, Gordon is in the back seat. Uh, uh, he's, in the tr- he's in the truck in The Dark Knight Rises that Alia Al Ghul um, yes. is driving. Yeah. So when she crashes that thing, which kills her, essentially, that should have jostled Gordon around, too. He should be limping. I think he jumped out, actually. I think there's a scene where you see no. him jump out. No, he jumps out afterwards. And, like, he's, like, not scratch on him. All right. I believe yeah, you. Yeah, you're like, holy shit, Gordon, you are resilient. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I liked, uh, I love the idea of taking one of the, like, leading villains in cinema and making him the one of the ultimate good guys for... For um, Gary Oldman, I thought that was brilliant casting. Yeah, he generally plays bad guys. 
Yeah, he's Dracula. He's an Air Force One. He he's fucking uh, Leo Harvey Oswald. I got to tell you, I'm not sure the first time I saw him if it was Air Force One or The Fifth Element. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I that's that's. I mean, he was amazing. The Fifth Element too. He, oh, I, love I that think movie. he based it on Bugs Bunny. I could see that. <laughs> I want to see Gary Oldman in a Star Wars film. I've been saying it for fucking years. I want Gary Oldman as like an imperial fucking like you know Tarkin or Trenick. Do you know who he could have played that would have been a good role for him? And I don't want to go off on a thing because I know we want to start wrapping up. But And we've been saying that for like 45 minutes. But you know who he, he would have been a good job at? Um, Paul Bettany's character from Solo. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, and I, I, I just showed Solo to stuff. I mean, we're, I, I mean, I still love Paul Bettany in it, but here's, here's a random little trivia: is Gary Oldman was originally supposed to voice General Grievous. That would have been interesting. I would like to have heard that. And then Matthew Wood, who was like a sound designer or some shit, he was just like supplying his own, like, like General Grievous. I can't do a Grievous, but yeah, I still want. Uh, Gary Oldman is like, like if it wasn't for Ben Mendelsohn, I would have put um, Gary Oldman as credit. That would have worked. That would have worked. Can you imagine him like an imperial officer, like getting some shit from Vader. I would have loved that. All right, really quick, would he have done a good job if they couldn't do the CGI standing in for Tarkin? No, because it looks nothing like Tarkin. Well, I mean, you do what you can, but. No, I would have had him be a completely different character. Okay, just I would have. I would have. What I would have done is I would have maybe have like a CGI hologram of Tarkin. You know, like with their little weird Star Wars Skype thing they do with the blue yeah, hologram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have had a voice actor do a spot on Peter Cushing. I would have had a CGI face, and then I would have Gary Oldman be the credit character, but even more prominent. Right. You know, right, right. 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 Tarkin, yeah. I would have had him combine the Tarkin and the Krennic. Or maybe even something in between Tarn or Krennic and Tarkin and kind of be the... Like, he's the one that talks to Tarkin and then and, and, and Gary Oldman's character communicates to Krennic. Right. Yeah. If, Tark, if Tarkin is Grand Moff Tarkin, then have fucking uh, Gary Oldman be Moff Fuck Fuck. <laughs> fuck Fuck. <laughs> he's not Grand Moff. He's Moff. Yep. So, well, All right, well that, oh yeah, we ended it with fucking Star Wars, but we start with fucking Batman. I just have one last question for you. Why so serious? CJ here with a few thank yous and to let you know how you can get in touch with and follow the show and us. For Podeskew, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts on your iPhone, and Google Play Music on your Android phone to listen to, subscribe, rate, and comment on the show or the Listen Notes podcast search engine at www.listennotes.com. Go there, type in Podeskew, all one word, and you can stream us right there. If you want to agree with or yell at us directly, follow Rico, me, and the show on Twitter. The show is at Podeskew, Rico is at RanceRico, and I'm at M underscore Blade. If you need to contact the show for promotional reasons, tweet Stephanie at PodeskewPR. Check out Rico's YouTube channel, Rico's Rants, on YouTube at www.youtube.com slash Rico's Rants. Thank you to Dubbed in English for our opening theme music, 96 Reasons. They're no longer online, but you can contact me for a copy of the full song or the whole Plan 9 EP. Thank you to Samuel Lemons for our closing music, Theme Askew. 
You can find his music on SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com slash Samuel-Lemons. Finally, our biggest thank you is to you, everyone, for listening. Rico and I really appreciate your time and look forward to bringing you another episode soon. I think you and I are destined to do this forever.